Hi, I'm Hanako Greensmith. I play Violet Mikami, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards! Welcome to episode 280 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're getting there. We're getting there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's episode two. We're, we're already on episode two. Can you believe that? I know. I know. I know. Crazy. Yeah. 902, 1202, 1102. This was this was a solid week. Yeah, it's a good week. Good week. Good week. So we always start with the news, and they are just cranking out the episode descriptions over there. I'm not mad, but like, wow, they're cranking them out. Yeah. So we've got next week, obviously episodes three, and then we've also got episodes four. Yeah. Well, we had the med episode three one last week. So we have fire and PD now and yeah. then episodes four. But yeah. And like all the promo photos are up through episodes four. It's crazy. They're so far ahead. I know. I'm kind of waiting for them. I'm surprised. I feel like at some point they're going to have to take a break. Like there's going to be like a week off or two weeks. And I'm just like, it's going to hit. And I'm gonna be like, but I'm like enjoying how fast they're coming out with everything. I'm like, I don't want there to be a break. Yeah, but we just got you back. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay, so Fire 1203, this one is called Trapped. Again, these are the the episodes that aired this coming Wednesday on January 31st. 1203, Trapped. After witnessing a domestic dispute, Brett and Violet decide to take the investigation into their own hands. Mouch vets Truck 81's new firefighter, and Ermin relies on something new to aid him in the job. Yes, and we have seen the promo for this, obviously, because it's next week's episode. Yes. I'm here for it. It's going to be fun. Also, like, I just love how Match has now decided that he has to vet, like, every single new person that comes into the house. Like, I love it. Yeah. It's good. That sounds like it's going to be a good one. Yeah. All right. Next up, PD-1103 is called Safe Harbor. Burgess works an extra shift at the 13th district and gets caught in the middle of a drive-by attack on refugees. The team works together to track down the shooter and uncover the true motive behind the attack. This I feel is like gonna... that was one of PD's best descriptions in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> normally they're sure. like one sentence, like, we're just caught a crime. Like, that's normally <laughs> the that, like, descriptions, but that was actually a good one. Yeah, it is. It's pretty solid. It tells us exactly what we need to know i i'm low-key scared but yeah especially the way marina's been hyping it up all over social like yeah i'm scared i know she she tweeted us out of the blue after the shows were done and she's like how can we get so so funny she's like so late to responding to the tweets too because like (laughs) the first time she responded to the one was like you had taken a picture of her her instagram and like of her and her like stunt doubles and like tagged her you know as like the credit and then she responded to that being like oh watch episode three and then i quote tweeted it with like the eye emojis like right when that happened and now she just responded to that like weeks later and she's like how can we get the berzik army tuned in and i'm like i don't think you have to do anything to get them to watch but yeah literally nothing but if you want to come on the pod and hype it i mean I mean, we're available. Open invitation, Marina. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, A, why is she working an extra shift? Yeah. 
And B, I, I'm just scared. Uh, well, and C, where the hell is the 13th district? That too. Like, why can't she just work a shift at twenty the 21st? Yeah, I want to know why she's covering an extra shift. Like, what's going on? Well, like, why can't she just, like, work, I mean, like, an extra shift in her district? Like, why is she in a whole completely different district? Exactly. Questions. It sounds like it's going to be a very heavy hour. Yeah. But I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. I love I think, a good Burgess episode. I think I saw an interview Marina did, like, hyping, you know, the season and what's to come. And I think she said she's in every single scene of this episode. Wouldn't surprise me. It's going to be be crazy yeah oh boy and then we shift over to next week so i think february 7th is the date on that uh yes february 7th okay so 904 of med this one's called these are not the droids you are looking for goodwin is worried after an accident lands two people close to her in the ed archer returns to med and treats a man worried about a family curse and Maggie and Zola help a patient on a cross-country road trip. So are we to take that as Archer is not in next, well, episode three, if he just comes back to med in episode four? Oh, that's a good question. Or is he, like, going to be in the hospital recovering and, like, they'll have a scene with him, but, like, he's not being a doctor? Maybe that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, right? Like, he just had a kidney transplant. I'm not, like, surprised he's taking time off from work. But I just didn't know if that means we're not going to see Steven Weber this week. Or, I don't know. I feel like every time he posts on Insta, he's, like, in Europe or another, like, random location. He's way more... I never expected him. I don't know why. I guess just because I feel like when Chicago people sometimes are not very, like, active on socials. But he's, like, way on instagram way more than i thought he would be i like it i love it though i love the old pictures he posts he's like here's a project i did in like 1983 and i'm just like cool cool <laughs> share more yeah more please please yeah. more. it's cool yeah no we'll see we'll see so sounds yeah. interesting also goodwin close to her didn't you say that her daughter is back in episode four yes there are promo photos of tara I wonder if that's the accident. Oh, I hope it's not Tara and the baby. I hope not. What do these shows have against babies? I know. But actually, though. But actually, though. A fair question. Uh, yeah, right. and, and we'll get to Zola. We'll talk all about her. Oh, uh, yeah. We have yeah. lots to talk about. Yes. Um, Fire 1204 is called The Little Things. Julia spends a couple days uh, days at 51. Bowden's stepson, James, returns desperate for Bowden to help his mother. After a little girl starts a fire in her backyard, Kid and her team decide to dig deeper. I am so ready to see Julia with all her aunts and uncles. I know. It's going to be the best. It's going to be so cute. Also, Bowden's stepson, we haven't seen him since when was it? A long time. It's been a while. Was I think the last time we saw him, wasn't that when he was being abused? Yeah, but what season was that? Five, six, some, seven, seven, it's, something it's, like that? It's been a long time. Yeah. Were we even doing the podcast back then? Um, that's, a, that's also a good question. <laughs> like, that's how long ago it's been. It's like, we may not have been doing the podcast. Yeah, it was pre-pod. 
Potentially, yeah. Potentially. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been pre-pod. I don't remember discussing it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So interesting. 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 PD-1104 is called Escape. Returning from furlough, Torres goes undercover in a tense and high-stakes drug trafficking case. Uh, remind me, Brenna, who's Torres? I I don't know. Some dude? I I don't know. Must be a new guy. Never heard of him. Yeah. I, I, I've forgotten about him. Yeah. It happens when he's not in any of the episodes. I know. I mean, yay that he's coming back, because, like... I love Torres, and I love a good Torres episode, so, like, I'm glad we're getting one, but, like, also, yeah. Yeah, like, kind of wild that it's taking him four episodes to make an appearance. And last night, they didn't even mention him once. No. They gave him, like, the Rojas treatment. Yeah. It's weird. It's totally weird. It's really weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And, like, intelligence feels so weird with just, like, four of them. Oh my god, yeah. Like, there was at one point last night, Voight said something, it was, like, about the unit, and I was like, you mean, like, the he was talking, I think, Kim in a scene, and it's like, the unit, blah, 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 and I was like, you mean Kevin and Haley? Like, I was like, that's what she got right now, because Adam's not here. I'm like, you literally got Kevin and Haley. It's so bad. It's Yeah, they're so thin, oh my gosh. So thin. It's just so noticeable right now, especially, like, given that Adam hasn't been in it these last two episodes, you know, in the unit. It's just so noticeable right now. Big time. Big time, big time. Hopefully everything feels normal again once Torres comes back. I know. I know. And even I think just getting Adam back in the unit next week will help a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, at least he's back in the bullpen and stuff like that for those scenes. Because they've just felt so empty. Yeah, for sure. So empty. Yep. Big time. And then last up, we got this. This was late breaking news today, wasn't it? Yeah, it was this afternoon. Yeah, so today at some point. LaRoyce was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. That's so cool. It's Um, really cool. I took a glance at the category and the competition is like he's Wendell Pierce is nominated. Yeah, Uh, for Jack Ryan. I didn't even know he was in Jack Ryan. He is. I would watch Wendell Pierce in anything, dude. I know. Same. He's incredible. And there was there was one other one that jumped out at me that I couldn't I can't remember who it was though. I know the guy from Bel Air was nominated. Yes. Uh, and I need to finish this. Uh, let's see. Hold on a second. Um nominations. Do, 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 deadline. Come on, deadline. Wendell Pierce is another actor I would sit back and have drinks with. Oh yeah. I mean the stories he has to tell is let's see, motion pictures. No, I want TV. Um, that's comedy, drama. All right. It was Adrian Holmes from Bel Air, Amin Joseph from Snowfall, Giancarlo Esposito from Godfather of Harlem, LaRoyce, and then Wendell Pierce. Giancarlo Esposito is, yeah. oh my God, another one I would sit back and have drinks with. Yeah. Just to hear the Hollywood stories. Yeah. But no, it's very, very cool. It's very cool that he got nominated. Very cool. And especially because I feel like a lot of them aren't, like, you know, the, it's all, like, streaming stuff. Like, I'm looking at a bunch of the other ones, and it's a lot of, like, streaming stuff that gets nominated, obviously. So I think it's cool that he got nominated. It's badass. Very cool. So cool. Um, No patron shoutouts this week. 
it's cool. If you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can do so at the link in our socials. You hear us say it every week, but it's true. The community we've built over there is the best. We've got this tight-knit family over there. We have so much fun together. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, Yeah. So check the link in our socials. If you see any news, send it to us. You guys are really good about that because, you know, it's a whole big internet and sometimes we miss things. So um, if it feels like we sped through the news, it's probably because we're eager to get to these episodes. So much to talk about. Oh, my God. So much to talk about. So we're going to start with Med, just like we always do. This episode was so good. Med is killing it this year. Med is off to a fantastic start. Yeah. Remember how we basically said seven was like the best season of Med yet? These two episodes have topped a lot of that so far. Seven and eight were good, but nine is off to a very good start. Nine is tracking to be better than the other two. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. So we had, we, we met, we had another new person join, join the group. And Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Uh, This was a solid episode. I actually really enjoyed this. So we're going to start off with Maggie because she got the first scene. Sweet, sweet Maggie. They're in mediation. I hate it. I know. I just wanted to give her a big hug this whole episode. This whole episode. This whole episode. Um, You know who has very quickly joined my shit list, though, is Ben. Yeah. We're done. We're done. I liked you, and now you're being a dick. Well, and it's like, last week, and I still think there is this true, like, I do understand why Ben had issues with what Maggie did. Like, it doesn't excuse what Maggie did and how... She kept secrets in their marriage. And, like, I understand that. I definitely still would probably be on Team Ben in that point. But I agree in this situation. I just feel like he's not really recognizing that Maggie's really having a hard time with it. And I'm sure he is, too. But, like, the way he's going about talking to her about some things is just not cool. I kind of cringed when when she was talking about the cat and he's like well you haven't bonded with it because you're never home you're always working you know what we're not gonna do is shame a woman for having a career yeah we're not gonna do that yeah no i i wanted to punch him in the face this episode that's how this goes like hurt our faves and we turn on you just that's how this works it is weird like there's no more maggie and ben i know makes me sad it's really sad. I hate seeing it. I hate seeing the end of the marriage and and seeing them in mediation. And, you know, Maggie was so upset this entire episode. Yeah. And like you said, Ben has every right to feel the way that he does, that his trust was violated. Absolutely. But at that point, just like handle it with dignity and move on. Don't fight like toddlers. You're just making this worse. Yeah. So bad. So Maggie gets to the hospital and, you know, Maggie's feeling defensive. She's feeling hurt. She's mad. She's still fighting for the cat. Uh, And she mentions to Goodwin, she's like, wait, you liked your divorce lawyer, your divorce lawyer, right? And not Goodwin. I know I'm not watching Goodwin just sitting here, like, talking her out of hiring a divorce lawyer. I know I did not just see that. Yeah. No, no. You always lawyer up. But that's the lawyer talking. Whatever. But yeah, I put in the outline here because I was just like, I was feeling it. Goodwin was like, you should sleep on it. I was like, do not sleep on it. You lawyer up, you take that man to court and you whoop his ass. I, I get I get snappy things. 
But literally at this point, and that's what Ben was even saying, is like literally at this point, it's just about the cat. And Maggie doesn't even really want the cat. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like true. at this point, they've literally decided everything else. Like, yeah. It's just about the cat that she doesn't even want. No, but I I completely understand like why she's doing it. You know, um, she has a moment later on with Leanne, Archer's ex. Well, first she talks to Hannah about Leanne and Hannah just kind of mentions the way Leanne was in the marriage. And she's like, it's just like, she's only being mean because she resents him. And the light bulb goes off for Maggie. She's like, oh, fuck. That's why I'm treating Ben like this. And then she has the conversation with Leanne about how, you know, she's not exactly blameless. She kinda, it kind of clicks for her after talking to Leanne. But she says when she's talking to Leanne, and it's a clip we pulled later, but she says she's like, you know, I kind of want to hurt him for doing what he did to me. And that's that's exactly it. And that I understand completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that's an emotional response. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's not something that she went through her head and is like, you know what? I'm going to set out to hurt Ben by doing X, Y, and Z. That was just pure emotional response. And now she's realizing, like, you know what? I am going to be the grown up in this situation. Like, I'm sad and, like, yeah, this sucks, but, like, I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm just going to, you know, not do that. Give him the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So the last scene of the episode is Maggie pulling up to Ben's and she gives him the cat. And yeah. And then he asked her to come in. What are you asking her to come in for? You think that's the last time we see Ben? I do. I hope so, at least. This better not end in them reconciling. He doesn't get to do that and then, like, get her back. You don't think we're going to end up in, like, a Goodwin-Burt situation where we're going to run into Burt, like, however many more times we ran into Burt? I mean, we might, but I I don't want to see it in a context where she gets back with him. So you think you'd rather them just be done for good? I would. I'm majorly projecting right now, but <laughs> yes. And you know why, but yeah, yes. I do know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's not something by like the end of the season. I'm like, no, I don't want them back together. But like, if it was like two more seasons from now and Mag, you know, like they eventually like ran into each other again and decided like, I would not be opposed to it, but like. You do not get to discard your spouse like trash and say you want out. Only like you don't get to do that without consequences. But I think the thing is, is like, I don't think he totally did. I'm not trying to take on the team Ben side, but like. That I feel like puts all the blame on Ben, but it's not all Ben's fault. Maggie did something and Ben was really hurt. And like, yeah, maybe he shouldn't then reacted to his hurt the way he did. But like. I don't think the reason they're getting divorced is not because they don't love each other. Fair. It's because there's a lot of hurt there. And Maggie, unfortunately, did a lot of things that she kept secret. Yeah. And yeah. So, like, I don't know. I wouldn't say I don't see them getting back together. Like, I kind of think this is, like, it. But if they said in, like, two seasons that, like, he somehow ended up back in the picture, like, I wouldn't hate it, I don't think. I get it. But But. I would hate that 
for her because what if he did it again? Divorce her again? What if he wanted out of the relationship again? I mean, but I don't know. I'm projecting. We should move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I hate, I hate seeing, I hate seeing it. I hate it. I hate and it. And I know Maggie. what you're talking about. So like, yeah. I hate it so much for her. I didn't even like compare it to that. But now that you're saying that, like, I get it. I, I get, and I get why you're saying what you're saying. <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, I just, I hate this for Maggie. I hate this for Maggie. I hate Ben for doing this to Maggie, even though she wasn't blameless. But, like, Maggie's no. our girl. Maggie's our girl. No, she is, for sure. For sure. It's a double-edged sword, because, like, Maggie- It definitely is one of those things where it's, like, you see Ben's side and you see Maggie's side, for sure. Yes. Like, I understand why Ben was hurt and why he wanted the divorce. Because I honestly, if I was in his situation, I would probably feel the same. Or pretty close to the same. I would really struggle to trust my partner again. And that would be really damaging. It would be really hard. It would be really hard. So I definitely see it from Ben's side. But I also feel for Maggie and feel for what she's going through and all of her emotions Mm -hmm. in this. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. But also screw you, Ben. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, in happier news, we can we can cross the hospital now and go talk about Archer. Well, mostly happy news. The ex, the Sean's mom is a piece of work. Oh my god, she's a lot. Yeah, she's a lot. Okay, take it away, Brenna. righty. We've made it to kidney transplant day i feel like we've been talking about kidney transplant day for like 20 years seeing because like that went back to like last season so i feel like it's just been like a long time coming but we're here we made it um and it's so cute because like dean walks into the lobby or whatever and like hannah's there waiting for him in the with the wheelchair and he's like no i'm not doing that and she's like no 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 hospital policy like you gotta get in here here." and it's just really cute because she's like pushing him behind like super cute also i guess she took the day off to help sean and dean like i guess i kind of love it like in her scrubs like i love it it's so cute i love it it is cute and then we get Archer in dad mode because obviously Sean has to go in first for his surgery. And like Archer and Hannah are both there by his side. And Archer's like, did you stock up on your groceries? Blah, blah, blah. Like, did you do this? Did you do that? Like, it's so cute. It's it so is cute. cute. We rarely see him in dad and, mode. So that was cute. I know. And he's like, did you finally like tell your mom? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I told my mom. Like, I told mom about it. Like, I called her last night. Like, she's fine with it. And Dean's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, then we meet said mom. It like cuts to at one point she this woman like walks into the ED and like runs into Maggie and she's like, My son's getting ready to do surgery, am I too late? And she's like, Maggie's like, Oh, well, who's your son? And she's like, Sean Archer. And Maggie's like, Oh shit. <laughs> yep. And Dean's ex is a fucking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just play the audio. Well, don't you look like crap? 
Yeah. I heard your kidneys are shot. So now what? What, you're going to take one of Sean's? I spoke with him last night, you know. Yeah, I do know. I encouraged him to call you. Oh, gee, thanks a lot. The night before the operation. I told him I was not okay with this. Well, th th that's not what Sean said. He said you were. Well, he lied to you, Dean. Or, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're lying to me, which oh. I wouldn't put past you. You know what? I should have known. When Sean told me you were back in his life, that you had some kind of agenda. This is all you. Down. You know yeah. what? You ghosted your son for over a decade, you son of a bitch. Is this, is this why you suddenly just had to reconnect with him? Well, because, oh, now you need a kidney? No, huh? That's, that's not what happened at all. <sighs> Dean reached out to Sean well before he was injured. Who is this? Your, your new buddy? This is Hannah, Dr. Asher. I work with Dean. Yeah, sure you do. I can put a stop to this, you know? I've already contacted a lawyer. You should be ashamed of yourself. She really sucks. I was like, the face I was making at the TV as she was like saying these things, I was just like, I was like I shocked. I know. I was like, what? And the stuff she was saying to Maggie, how Maggie's like, I survived cancer. And she just goes, is that supposed to make me feel better? I was like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. She it's means. She's really mean. And Hannah's trying to be, like, nice to her. And she's like, who's this? Your new buddy? And yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then, so, Sean's, oh, Sean's mom, Dean's ex, is named Leanne. And Leanne has decided she's going to try to lawyer up. She's going to, she wants to get an injunction to stop the transplant. Which, like, what? <laughs> I, I don't, well, no, that doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. And honestly, even Peter is like, yeah, like, I I mean, she can try, but I don't really think it's going to hold up. So, like, he's even like, yeah, I'm comfortable with going ahead. Like, I don't think I am, she really is a case here. I'm so proud of us, Bryna. We're two episodes into the new season and we've gotten it right both times. I know. Peter. I'm making, like, a very conscious effort to remember that it's Peter. Same. And not just play into the bit of, like, I can't <laughs> remember the name. I'm, like, very, I really am trying. I think it just straight up took nine seasons for it to click. <laughs> oh. Goodness. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so they're all having this, like, meeting of the minds outside. It's, like, Peter and Goodwin and Hannah and Dean. They're all, and the kidney doctor's name, whose name I can't remember. Um. But Archer's like, look, like, he he's just so in this place there. He doesn't want to ruffle any feathers that he's like, look, if she doesn't want Sean to do the transplant surgery, like, I I don't want to do it. Um, okay. Like, which is very nice of him. But, like, Sean's a grown a man. Yeah. He's what? In his late 20s, early 30s? How old is Sean again? Something like that? Something like that. But also, I could see having this conversation before the surgery started, but the kidney's already out of Sean at this point. Or, yeah. Yeah. So this makes no sense. Yeah, because the idea is basically the kidney can stay out on ice basically for like two, three hours max. And then otherwise they're like, well, if you don't basically make a decision between now and then or, you know, decide something, then, like, we're going to just put it back in Sean. Is that a real thing? 
I don't know. I should have asked my dad because I was talking to him about something else later on, but I should have asked him if that's a real thing. Well, it's not exactly like it's a Nintendo Switch. You don't just like unplug it and replug it into the same aux cord. Yeah, I know. I can't. I've I don't never heard I've, of that ever. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that. And also, they usually do kidney transplants concurrently. So like the donor and the recipient are both like in the OR at the same time or like next door to each other. But the operations happen at the same time. Yeah, I kind of wondered that too. Like why when Sean went back, like Dean was just like sitting by his bedside. Like why wasn't he at least like in a hospital gown and like getting ready for his surgery? Exactly. That makes no sense. Uh, But but going back to the whole, like, Leanne situation and, like, uh, Sean, what makes no sense to me, well, first of all, it's Sean is a, like we said, Sean's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. Like, I don't see why Leanne's trying to stop with a lawyer. But anyway, it kind of felt weird because, like, Leanne kept throwing it back in Sean's face, too, about, like, how, you know, Dean was absent from Sean's life for, like, a decade or whatever. But, like, how much do you think Sean talks to his mom? Because Sean has been around Dean now for what? Eight, nine months, give or take? Something Given like that. There that. was a six-month time jump, you know, six-month time jump, and then at the end of last year. So, like, you wouldn't have think of, like, hey, mom, like, I reconnected with my dad. Like, we're cool now. Like. Well, and 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 when Hannah talks to Maggie later on, we get another pretty interesting piece of the puzzle. Yes. That factors into that too. Yes. More on that in two seconds. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So anyway, we're at this point where basically like Dean says, no, he doesn't want to do the transplant. And Hannah's like, hold that thought. I'll be back. I can convince him. So Hannah decides to go spew some logic and convince Dean to go through with the transplant. So? Yeah. You look resigned. What am I supposed to do? Hmm? Okay, please don't tell me this is you just finding another way to not accept oh, a gift from your son. Oh, it's not that. I, I, I want this kidney. Good. You're finally saying it like you mean it. Now go tell Dr. Cameron. But Leanne... Leanne is... is being petty and vindictive. I am sorry to be so blunt, but this is not about protecting Sean. This is about hurting you. Don't feed into it. She's the mother of my child. I go through with this against her wishes, Sean might never be able to have a relationship with his mom ever again. Do you remember that archer that I first met? The self-serving, egocentric jerk that only cared about himself? Why can't you be more like him today? I love her. Same. She's just the fucking best. No, same. And just, just the, the fact that she, like, she knew she's like, I'm the one who can get through to him. Like, hang on, let me handle right. this. If it's going to be anyone, it's going to be me. And I do love the fact that she does get through to him. Mm-hmm. It's not even like, oh, let me try, but just kidding. I keep failing. Like, no, like every time he needs to hear something in a different perspective, it's Hannah that gives it to him in that way he needs to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Hannah's now back in the ED and she runs into Maggie and Maggie's like, hey, you know, how are things going? And Hannah mentions what you were talking about earlier, that she tried to talk to Leanne since they were both addicts, but that didn't work. Did we ever know that the ex, like his ex-wife was an addict? I don't remember. I feel like 
I don't know, because we knew that Sean had the issues. But I don't remember if we ever knew that Sean's... I feel like we really didn't know anything about Leanne. I'd have to go back and watch some of those, like, early Archer episodes, which, like, I don't know if I want to do because I don't like that version of Archer. Yeah. Because that was a piece of the puzzle I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. And I also just love that, like, Hannah knows. Mm-hmm. Which means Dean and or Sean have, like, opened up to her enough that, like, she knows that. And that, it, it's, so it it's probably not even Sean's issue that had Archer projecting on the Hannah when she first came back to the ED. It was probably Leanne. It was probably both of them. Yeah. A combination. Yeah. Because if you've got it, look, if you've got the addiction issues coming from, like, your wife and your son, I mean, that's that's a hard pill to swallow like i would it makes early days of archer make a little more sense for sure still didn't like the way he acted but it makes that version of him make a little more sense and addiction's genetic too so yeah yeah that that makes sense i wonder if he joined the navy as a way to kind of escape because i mean he probably couldn't handle having a wife who's an addict and a young son and ho- young son at home and kind of like handling both of those by himself. I need to figure out what's the Dean Archer timeline. Yep. What's the Dean Archer timeline? Like, was he in the Navy? Bert? No, I don't know. I need to figure out the Dean Archer timeline. Yeah. Um, But also just like Hannah's fighting so hard for Dean. Like she wants this for him so bad that like, she really honestly, I think at this point, would do anything if she, it means like Dean is going to get the kidney. Like she would just do anything for him at this point. Yeah. She really fought so hard for him this episode. It was, it was interesting to see. Yeah. Um. So then we talked about it from this conversation from the Maggie perspective, but like we said earlier, Maggie talks to Leanne and we do learn a little bit more about like Leanne and Dean and why Leanne's been acting the way she's acting and just listen to this. I hear they're getting ready to put Sean's kidney back in him. Shouldn't be too much longer now. Things were rough between you and Dr. Archer, huh? To put it mildly, yeah. I get it. My husband Ben and I are getting a divorce. His decision, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah. As stupid as it may sound, we're fighting over a cat. Ben wants it. And even though I never really bonded with the thing, there's no way I'm letting him have it. No way. Just feel so angry all the time. Don't recognize myself. I guess I want to hurt him for leaving me. For rejecting me. How did you and Dr. Archer meet? Um, Fourth of July, beach party. How about you and Ben? Chemo. We both had cancer. Oh, ah, we're fine. It's the marriage that's terminal. I loved him. God, I love him. He can be so sweet and do these little things. I'm making sure I took my vitamins every morning. I remember when I was um, pregnant with Sean, Dean and I took a uh, a road trip out to the desert. He was stationed at uh, Coronado. 
and I don't know how, but I stepped on a cactus. Don't, don't ask. Anyway, he, uh, he spent the next five hours getting the, the needles out of the sole of my foot with um, tweezers and Elmer's glue, all while keeping me supplied with ice chips. <laughs> I know. You know, Leanne, as angry as I am, I wasn't exactly blameless. I did some things. Yeah, I did some things, too. How long before the surgery? So, yeah, kind of similar to Maggie. Obviously, like, Leanne's pretty much been acting the way she's acting just because she wants to use it to hurt Archer. You know, she wanted yeah. to hurt Archer. Not intentionally, but, like, you know, an emotional response. Like yeah. we said earlier. But... She ends up letting the surgery go through. Dean gets his kidney. Sean's fine, too. Surgery's a success. But, like, Leanne basically leaves, like, as soon as it's done. She didn't even say a word. Maggie, like, tries to catch her in the elevator, and, like, that's it. I I wonder if she just felt, she felt bad for, you know, she probably felt bad for trying to stop it and, you know, maybe thought both guys were going to be upset with her or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... I hope, let's put it this way, I don't know if I, I hope that she realizes that, like, you know what, like, Sean's okay, like, him and Dean's relationship is okay, like, it's in a good spot, like, I'm content seeing that, like, Dean isn't being a terrible person to Sean, like, I'm content, and, like, I can just, like, leave peacefully. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so, surgery is a success. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, we did have some listener thoughts on this. Um, Helene said, Dasher, the girlfriend vibes. Gina, do you feel it yet? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she goes on, she says, the fact that she defended Dean Diz ex, the fact that her and only her goes to speak with him because she's the only one who he listens to. She's the only one he let in. Stop. I cannot. I'm glad the transplant came through without a hitch, though I'll admit the elevator chime as Sean's mother leaves at the end made me jump. For a second, I thought it was an alarm and we were indeed going to get the Sean Archer death trope. I'm still looking forward to see where Dasher goes, hopefully locking lips in the not so distant future. Yeah, Lauren, I was texting Lauren bed updates because she was in class, literally, and she was like, they're not going to kill Sean, are they? She was like, he's not dead yet. He's fine, right? And I was like, yes, he he made it. He's fine. <laughs> not dead. The, the Sean Archer death trope did not cross my mind once. And I'm glad it didn't because I would have, that would have been a whole other level of like worry Panic. that I did not need. Yeah. That would have sucked. But no, yeah. I don't feel it yet. I did just, I just, they can have a close relationship without being romantic. No. The, I, the ship. This ship. Don't I don't feel I mean I respect the fact that you don't ship it, but I am not on board. You and Lauren are on the boat cruising along, and I am at the port waving. Yeah. I just don't see it. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe that'll change. But I do like how much she fought for him this week. That's great. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, Katie or not on Instagram said, I'm intrigued by how the Dean and Sean dynamic will shift both post-operation and with Leanne now added to the mix. Is she a one-off character or is she going to be a recurring character? Why didn't she stick around post-op? I have questions. All great questions. Um, I feel like she's a one-off character. I feel like if she had been a recurring character, they would have, like, we would have seen, like, a casting announcement of some sort being, like, so-and-so, I think her name's Paula, if I remember correctly, um, you know, cast as, John, you know, I feel like we would have seen something like that. So I have a feeling she's just a one-off who, like, could come back eventually. Um, I hope that we see more of Sean. Like, I don't want this to be like, okay, Sean gave Dean the kidney. Okay, we never see Sean again. No, I want to keep Sean around. Like, I understand we don't need him in maybe every episode, but, like, I need to see him at least a couple more times this season. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, last up for this one, IBD Loves TV on Twitter said, uh, when, and this was in response to what do you want to hear us talk about this week, how healing it must be for Archer to hear Hannah know all his worst sides and actually ask for him to pull them out as tools to use in this situation. She really sees him and still advocates for him. I love that. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I really agree. For sure. And the fact that she's seen the worst sides of Archer and she has stayed. Presumably, Leanne saw the worst sides of Archer and, like... And especially considering, like you said in the beginning, like, Archer was judging Hannah so hardcore when she came back to men. Mm -hmm. Like, so hardcore. And, like, it could have very easily been, like, something she's like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't want to deal with you. And, yeah. She was able to put that aside and... It's really, it's been, I love seeing their dynamic and how it's changed. It's, it's really good. It's really, really, really good. And the way that Archer is learning that like, it's okay to let people into your life and it's okay to let people see the bad sides of you. He's learning that through Hannah. Yeah. The vulnerability he's been showing is, it's beautiful. Honestly, it's really beautiful. To watch. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So then we've got a new addition to the ED. The uh, the Dr. Ahmad era has begun. Yeah, Zola. Zola, yes. Which, okay, the name choice. So we've got Zola over on Med, and then we've got, they were originally going to call him Jake Gibson on fire. What are we, why are we feeding off the other medical shows? What are we doing? Why are we doing that? I don't know. What apparently... I think her name's Sophia, the actress who plays Zola. She was on Grey's, yeah. She was on Grey's, which I haven't watched Grey's in a little bit, so I didn't know that, but. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. But she is here, and she is new, and. Uh, she comes in swinging. Oh, yes. Welcome to the fam. So, she's here. Um, Goodwin just mentions like, hey, you know, she's she came recommended by the chief of medicine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. And then I'm like, wait, who is the chief of medicine at med? I'm really confused. Same. <laughs> she keeps talking about this like Dr. Melvoin. Melvoin. Melvoin, whatever yeah. his name is. But then she said something like, oh, well, he worked with her at Mayo. So I was like, so is he the chief of medicine at med? And he used to work at Mayo. I, it was very confusing. Extremely also, confusing. I didn't know there was a thing, such a thing as chief of medicine. Isn't Weber the chief of medicine at Gray's? 
Or like, I don't know. Wasn't he Is at he? some point? I don't know. Is he? I, I don't haven't know. watched Grey's in over a decade. I don't know. Mysteries. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Dr. Ahmad, she's from the Mayo Clinic. She's from the Mayo Clinic. So, my first thought, I was like, does she know Connor? I don't know. I, w- I would love that. Can we get a Connor update? Like, what's he up to? Yeah, I know. It would be really just fun. Although, like, at this point, who in the ED still knows Connor? Goodwin, Charles. And Maggie. Maggie. And that's it. That's literally it. That's sad. <laughs> Crockett knows that he that's- replaced him. And that's about it. Kind of, yeah. 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 So that's sad. But I did. it did cross my mind for two seconds, too. Yeah. So she's from the Mayo Clinic. And Goodwin says that... Basically, her reputation at the Mayo Clinic, it's mostly good, except for the fact that she practices, and I quote, vigilante medicine. We got a new will on our hands. That's all. Uh, I My first reaction was Natalie, but like also will. I mean, we all knew that it was in that vein, though. Yeah. The minute Goodwin was like vigilante medicine, I was like, I like her already. <laughs> She's just replacing Will, and I like that. So it's like just what we thought we could get away. Like Natalie and Will went to pretty much the other side of the country in Seattle. And it's like, okay, maybe we're getting away from that kind of, just kidding. It's like, just kidding. I like how Nick left and then they were like, wait a second, we need another like, you know, fire at will doctor who like doesn't think before he acts. Like I, we need another Always one. causing gotta, shit. Yeah, yeah. ED. We need yeah. a shit stirrer doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, and she's young too. She She's pretty she's young. She's a resident. Yeah, yeah. So she's older than like Kai and Zach and Nelly, but obviously not an attending. No, no. Uh, and like you know, I can't blame her for the faces she's making at Crockett. Like same. Yeah, when Crockett comes in and you know they start chatting, whatever, and then he leaves, and then she's like, "Oh, so you're my attending?" And he's like, "Yeah," and she's like, "Okay." I forget her exact line, but she's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna complain." I'm yeah, like, "Girl, same, same." same same so she's off to a really good start i mean she's just jumping in like you know practicing medicine doing her thing and everything's great until she randomly grabs a scalpel and sticks it to a woman's neck literally after crockett told her yeah no don't do that we're not gonna do that and then she's like let's do it and he's like what the fuck and she's like well that was the only way we could do it and he's like i literally told you no yeah 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 we get that you're experienced but crockett's your attending like you never know more than you're attending but the thing is it's not like she just did it randomly he literally told her no i know he literally is like no we're not gonna do that and she's like okay just kidding <laughs> oh boy oh yeah. boy so basically what the the way their case is, is that the, this couple comes in and the wife swerved to avoid someone in the road and hit a parked car. But, or like she hit a pedestrian on, like she hit him anyway, didn't she? Yeah, she hit him. Yeah, she hit him anyway. So the guy she hit is actually a migrant who is being sheltered in the lobby of the 23rd district. Yes. Um, and we know this because Rosado comes in. And if you see Rosado's face, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. Like, it, it's she's she's one of those background characters who's been around since, like, day one. Yeah, she's uh, been around for a while. Did not know she was at the 23rd, but, you know. I thought she was at the 21st. She probably is on PD. Let's be real. She probably is on PD. Yeah. Or Fire no, or whatever other show. But, like, for this situation, they couldn't make it at the 21st. So. Yeah, yeah. 
So she's from the 23rd and it turns out they've got about 10 or so migrants from Venezuela taking shelter in the lobby. Uh, and so that's pretty much why, because when this guy comes in, they're asking if there's anybody that they can contact and she says to call there, he says to call the police and it's because that's where he's sheltered. Yeah. So they think he had the flu because he was on his way to a store to try and get some sort of medicine for some infection that he had. And it's a lot more serious than they thought. So Zola is working on this and she's like, wait a second, these symptoms don't line up. And she kind of pieces it together and she's like, where's Crockett and where's Goodwin? And both of them are gone. So she just up and leaves. There's a first time for everything. She just up and leaves. I like Will's done a lot of crazy shit, but I don't think he ever did that. It's actually kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah. Like really actually insane. Yeah. Like, you have no pull at this hospital. Why are you being so extra? It's it's actually wild. Like, the more I sit there and think about it, like, even when, when you understand, like, why she does it, it's like, okay, I get why you're doing it. You were caring, concerned, like, I got it. But it's like, you ran from the hospital to this district. It's just like, huh? And also, what? how long was she gone? I don't know. Like a don't while. Know. Yeah. But like, she also literally abandoned her patient. Yeah. 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 It's a lot happening. So she finally comes back and she brought all of the migrants from the 23rd because she pretty much thinks that like, it's more than a flu. She thinks it's an outbreak of, you know, some sort of, it could be malaria, it could be typhus, it could be, you know, something way more serious. Uh, so she brings them all to the 23rd or she brings them all to the ED and Crockett's like, okay, like, I think your hunch might've been right. Let's like, you know, set up isolation rooms, all that. Let's do all of this stuff, but also don't do it again. Like, yeah, don't do it again. Um, but yeah, so in talking about their in pepper, sorry. Okay. I can hear myself again. Uh, yeah, so in bringing all of the migrants to the ED, the husband of the wife who was brought in, he gets set off about this because the resources that should be helping his wife are going to help the migrants, which, ooh. But then it goes further than that. He's like, oh, but in my daughter's high school, she was, you know, she's a volleyball player and they took over and she couldn't get her scholarship and blah, blah. It was just like, dude. That's a racist son of a bitch if I've ever seen one. No, insanely, insanely racist. I this this is a topic that like I've stayed away from, frankly, just because it's it's so hot button. But like, wow, like nothing, like not necessarily triggers me, but nothing irks me more than hearing people be like, "Well, we're diverting resources to help, like you know, we're helping these migrants, and we shouldn't be helping them." I'm like. Do you hear yourself? Like, yeah. It's very, it's very hot button. And we're probably going to have a lot more to talk about it during PD next week. Mm-hmm. But like, I, yeah, I can't even form words. I'm just like, I can't even fathom seeing another human being in need of help and not helping them solely because they're not American. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, as soon as he hears, the guy hears that he, the guy they hit is not 
you know, that he's here or in the U.S. illegally, he's like, oh, I want to file a report. I heard he's here illegally. I can't have, no, I don't want my insurance. Then it's like, dude, what the fuck? Bruh. You're worried about your insurance and you hit someone, regardless of the fact whether they're here illegally or not. Like, you're worried about your insurance? It's so cringe. Read the room, bro. Read the room. So cringe. So cringe. So it does turn out that um, the wife has cancer because the, the, they were going to do an MRI, basically, and Zola left to go get the migrants and that put it off even longer. And it turns out once they do the MRI that she does have cancer. And so, you know, Zola feels kind of bad. She's like, you know, it's my fault he got set off because, you know, I didn't tell him that we were transferring his wife. I didn't tell him why. This is my fault. So I should probably tell him that his wife has cancer. And she just doesn't even think about it. She's like, I'm going to go do that. And Goodwin or Crockett are like, all right. And so they sit back and watch, and we get this little moment. You know, I hesitate to say who she reminds me of. You were uh, forced to suspend him on more than one occasion. I'll give you a hint. He had red hair. You uh, really want a sequel on your hands? Above and beyond. I can't say I wasn't warned. Excuse me? We're going to have to teach this one how to pay border infested blankets, maybe? Yeah, timing makes sense. It'd take up to 12 days to show symptoms. Well, it's a good thing Dr. Ahmad caught it when she did. She might have saved some lives. Dr. Marcel? Yeah. Have you seen this? Cheryl's MRI. Same lymph nodes in Cheryl's neck. Frozen biopsy came back as a sarcoma. Oh dear. Looks like it might already be spreading. Someone's gonna need to break the news to her husband. Yeah, I'll go tell him. It should be me. Unless you prefer it to be anyone else. Go ahead. to say who she reminds me of you were uh, forced to suspend him on more than one occasion i'll give you a hint he had red hair you uh really want a sequel on your hands above and beyond i can't say i wasn't warned excuse me we're gonna have to teach this one how to pace herself we wouldn't want that fire to burn out too quickly. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I love, though, that the show recognizes the whole inside joke of, like, how crazy the medicine that Will practice was, like, mm-hmm. his version of vigilante medicine. So I love how they're just like, yep, you know who that looks like, right? Will. Like that, you know. I just love that they were in on the joke. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, for sure. And I love that Crockett was like, are you sure you want to do this again? And Sharon was just basically like, hell yeah, like above and beyond. Yes. Like, Will always had mom's approval. Mm, I like her so far. Most of the time. I I think she's definitely going to, she's going to be interesting for sure. She's going to push a lot of buttons. Um, Yeah. And she's young too. I think the difference between Will and her is, is that Will 
was like much further along in his career and so it was kind of more annoying because it's like dude like you know better than this like you are been a plastic surgery doctor this whole time like mm-hmm. what are you doing and she's like still pretty much brand new and so you know she's still learning a lot of things and i think that'll be an interesting take on if we're getting a will 2.0 i think that'll be an interesting take on it yeah it will and I like that Goodwin set expectations for her right off the bat, like in that very scene where she's just watching her and she's like, we need to teach her how to pace herself. Yeah. And that's There's like, a okay. lot she can learn still because she's still so young. Yeah. Yeah. When, what I hope we see with two is obviously she's young. We've got the young interns. Like I would love for them to do kind of what Fire did with like Ritter, Gallo and Violet, like start building like a younger generation like a younger class and like make them all friends like i think that would be so fun yeah Yeah. and and that that's another cool thing that i think this episode gave us is that between dr ahmad and we did see we saw connor and um zach i'm sorry we saw zach and kai uh and we saw dr ahmad and now we have dr ripley it's like this whole new era of med is just like emerging yeah and so far, I like but it. But like you said, but like the thing is too, Ripley's already at least an attending, but like you've got Ahmad who's a resident, Kai, Nellie, who we know is coming back. I just don't know which episode she'll be back in. And um, Zach, like they're all still like interns residents. So like they're all kind of in that same age range too. So it'd be fun to see more of them like interacting with each other and like, uh, I don't know, like have two, you know, Ahmad and Kai take over and do a case. Like, I don't know. I just feel like they have these young people now like it would be fun to see them all be friends kind of like because fire did it so well yeah I and mean, i know gal is gone now but like fire did it so well with like ritter gallo violet so it would be cool to have like a med version of that it would yeah it definitely would for sure uh we got some listener thoughts on this one helen said i think the main debate of last night is who is will 2.0 Yes, I know Goodwin and Crockett have Zola Ahmad pegged as it, but let's face it, Ripley isn't far behind. I think he has it more in the method, but Ahmad isn't the impulsive side of the same coin. I truly enjoyed Zola's introduction. She's definitely going to cause trouble, and I'm here for it. Also, I can't be the only one who noticed all the side glances between her and Marcel, right? I want to get to know her more before we throw her into a ship, but I didn't hate it. Like, at all. Like, I could really ship this. Same. I just didn't want to be the one to say it. No, I think I, we all saw it. I think we all saw it. I think it would be really interesting. It's way too early to go there yet. Like, I feel like that's just going to, that if they go there this soon, that would just be like disaster. Like, it just has disaster oh, yeah, totally. all over it. Like, that's like a maybe next season thing. Maybe. Yeah. So Not in just... a shortened 13 episode season. No, no, no. no. Everyone like just next season thing. hunt that one into next year. Yes, but I I don't I wouldn't hate it either. Let's me neither. That way. No, me neither. Me yeah. neither. Oh, and then we've got Doctor Charles and Ripley. Oh this boy, one. yeah. Oh boy, indeed. Oh Speaking boy. Speaking of when Helen said the thing about Ripley's not being far behind, I kind of had that thought too. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah. So this starts. We run. Doctor Charles runs into Ripley like in the lobby or whatever, and Ripley is in like these extra clothes and dr charles like oh are you getting ready to go work out and ripley's like no i already did he's like i run four miles to work each way regardless of the weather and uh, i was like immediately as soon as he said that i was like that's not normal i hate those kind of people <laughs> same same <laughs> i mean 
I don't know people who do it in the rain. I do know people who do do that. And I, I, it makes no sense to me. I mean, I get that you, you're probably one of those people if you don't have a lot of time to exercise. So like, I understand it from that point of view, but like, I've never understood doing it before work when you like get all sweaty and just gross. And I, no, 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 no. I mean, presumably there are showers at med, but right, you- no, and he even says he's like, I'm gonna go take a shower. But like, I know people that do that in real life in places where I know there are not showers and it makes no sense to me. Uh, you know how much I despise the mornings. I could never. It's not even that. I mean, you know how much I love the mornings and no, 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 no. And like in the Chicago cold, like that just sounds like torture. What well, even just sounds like torture to me that like, he's like rain, shine, whatever. And I'm like, why would you do that in the pouring rain? Like why? Yeah. You can hurt yourself. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's definitely a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, besides that, Dr. Charles is talking to him. He's like, you know what? Like, I know we had some things last week, but like, I just want to leave the past in the past. And he tries to talk to him about the conversation they had up on the balcony, but like Ripley doesn't really want to hear it. And he's like, okay, I got to go. Bye. Yeah. So then we cut back to the ED and... Ripley, I mean, again, Ripley isn't attending. He is different than Zola and the other interns. So, like, he isn't attending. But, like, he's already teaching, like, the interns about, like, these neuromuscular blockades. And it's like, who are you? But actually, though, you just got here. You just got here. And, like, again. Also, what kind of doctor is he? Is he just, like, an ED doc like Will? That's a great question. Or is he, like, a special, does he have, like, a specialty? think he's just a general ed doctor now like will they don't really have specialties as much on med as they do like on grays no but i mean we do i mean we did have you know like connor was heart and that you know he was trauma at first and then he moved more into the heart and then so was ava and then natalie was kids dylan was also kids um i mean we've had a few people with specialties yeah but I mean, no, it is not the same as on Grey's where, like, they all have a specialty. Yeah. I think, oh, and Hannah's um, OBGYN. yeah. So, I don't know. I was just curious if he was, I just was curious more if he was, like, a general ED doc or if he did have a specialty. I mean, what kind of, what kind of specialist does he strike you as? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I could, that. Yeah, I don't know. We've only known him know. for two episodes. It's way too early to play that game. Yeah, for sure. But for the sure. running four miles to and from work is definitely a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever hear that TikTok sound when, like, if somebody's running and you're like, why are you running? What, is somebody chasing you? Are you okay? Like, that's what I think when I see people running outside. No, but that's funny. Mm-hmm. So he's also very charming. I will give him that. He is very charming. Yeah, with the patient? Just with everybody. Yeah, he's a charmer. Yeah. So he gets a patient who is ambled in and she has respiratory distress. Um, she had lung cancer like 20 years ago. She was, you know, in remission for a very long time. And five weeks ago, it all of a sudden came back again. It's metastasized. It's not great. So 
at this point, she's talking. She's talking about how this greenhouse she's been working on. She's going on and on. And then her stats start dropping. So he intubates. Nobody thinks anything of it. Um, But, and at this point, Ripley's got, like, a solid hunch that, like, he thinks his patient's cancer, like, hasn't spread. And that she probably isn't really having cancer. It doesn't have cancer again at all. That he thinks it might be what's called aspergillosis. Um, and so he's like, I want to do these other tests, blah, blah, blah. But then the patient's sister shows up and she like freaks out when she sees that her sister is intubated because once the cancer came back, like literally like three days ago, she signed a do not intubate, do not resuscitate form. And she's like, look, I have a picture of it on my phone. Like that's not what she wanted. So kind of finds himself and obviously there's no like she's not mad that i guess at ripley right now because like he didn't know like they couldn't find it it was new so like that's not what really what she's mad about but she's just like well fuck like i don't really know what to do even at this point yeah yeah i'm i'm like the minute she said that she had the dnr i was like fuck i was like not this again but I, I'm still, I'm giving Ripley the benefit of the doubt here. Like, I'm still, he's still, I still think he did the right thing. No, for sure. I mean, in a, the moment he did it, he didn't know. It's not, this is not a will where he ignored a DNR. Like, he genuinely, when he did, said to intubate her, he did not know. Yeah. So, it's fine. I'm not mad at him for that, for sure. It is kind of funny that you put this in that line that, like, George puts that sticker up of, like, where it says, like, DNI, DNR. It's very funny. It is funny. There's there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where they talk about very specific rules that get enacted and the stories behind why, because it's usually like somebody doing something dumb. And that's exactly what this is. She put the sticker on the door and I was like, I just know they put that in place after Will's whole debacle. Yeah. Yeah. So then the sister comes in and Ripley's trying to explain to her. He's like, look, like, I don't think, you know, it's cancer at all. Like, do you know if she mentioned her greenhouse stuff to the, you know, her other doctors? Like, I really think it's aspergillosis. Like, he was, like, going on and on. And the sister's, just, like, not wanting to hear it. And at one point, she's just like, can I talk to someone else, please? Like, I'm done with you. She is not having it. So, Dr. Charles steps in and tries to save the day. And he ends up talking to Ripley outside. And he's like, look, like, you know, she's carrying, it's not your fault. Like, she's carrying this enormous burden, like, to honor dying wishes of someone that she loves, like maybe you should focus on that and less on how right you are. Like this isn't up to you. this isn't about you anymore. It's about them. Some good old fashioned Dr. Charles advice. Yeah. So he does manage to calmly and very, you know, not in the way he was handling it earlier. He manages to talk to sister into lightening the sedation so that they can get consent for one last test, which is a bronchoscopy, to see what actually, you know, what it was. Um, so they lighten the sedation and she's, you know, they're asking her the question and like, all you really see, you don't even get, like, a response or a thumbs up or anything. You just literally get, like, a twitch of the hand. And they're like, you know what? That's good for us. That's consenting. That was a thumbs up. Like, we're going to go. And so they do the bronchoscopy. And they're like, you know, she, it's right. Like, he, Ripley was right all along. It's aspergillosis. And well, it's not cancer. Aspergillosis is treatable. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. So 
they're able to take the girl off of, you know, out of the intubation. And, you know, they're talking to her and she's like, yeah, you know, telling her about how she consented to the test. And she's like, I don't remember that, but like, okay. And as she's saying that she doesn't remember, it like shows like a little bruise on the side of her wrist. And like Dr. Charles is also in the room and he's like noticing that. And it's like, oh, fuck. Because that's where when he was playing around with the interns and teaching them about the um, neuromuscular blockade, like that's where they were doing it, like right on the wrists. So did he manipulate the situation? And it wasn't actually her giving consent. It was because of Ripley. Um, that's where we're at. Um, but let's just play. So basically it ends. Dr. Charles confronts him afterwards and we get this. Oh, hey man. Really great grab on that diagnosis, you know, once again. Yeah, thanks. I'm still stumped though is how you got Allison sign off. I'm not just supposed to turn the midazolam down when you get a patient's consent. Excuse me? What'd you do, like, hook her up to a Twitch monitor or something? What are you accusing me of? Nothing. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying that as somebody who, after 40 years, is still regularly tempted to mess with the rules for all the right reasons, it's just, you know, it ain't worth it. Almost lost my license that way. Okay, Gina, what's your thoughts on the situation? I am... Still on Team Ripley for this one. I I just feel compelled to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think Dr. Charles is right. I don't think his instincts are right this time. I, I'm so conflicted. Because, like, he's going to have to come up with some good explanation on, like, what that was. Like, it's just... It, feel, I, it feels too coincidental for it to be like, oh, nope, it was Ripley's fault. Like, it just feels like it's so set up. And I feel like it's probably not his fault. But then it's like, well, then how do you explain, you know, the other part of it? It's like... That could have been anything on her wrist, though. I mean, if she has a greenhouse, it very well could be soil smudges. Could be that. She could have cut herself in the greenhouse. I mean, we don't know what she was doing right before she came in. I mean, she was actually... No, she was probably in the greenhouse, actually. It could be anything. I I just I just don't feel like Dr. Charles's instincts are right this time. And I I it's just gut that I'm going off of. What I also just feel like knowing television, know how television works and like they kind of set him up for this. I feel like it's not gonna be him. Just because like again, yeah, I, I know how television works, but it would be interesting. I mean and it would be interesting to see Dr. Charles really go for something and be like, no, I think this guy's a Will 2.0 and then he's not actually really a Will 2.0. Because, like, we don't really see Dr. Charles be wrong a bunch of times. So it would be mm-hmm. interesting from a plot perspective for Dr. Charles to be the one who's wrong. Right. And all we all we know about Ripley is that he was violent as a child. We don't know anything else. We don't know if he had some sort of mental illness. No. No. We just know that he was violent. But I just I I think you gotta have faith in the fact that people can change. Mm-hmm. People can change. And I think I mean I see why the, the doubt is there for Dr. Charles. I mean, I think it's always gonna be there just because this is someone he once treated. Yeah, but, for sure. I don't think I don't think he's right. And I see I see what they're setting up to do is like, you know, he they're trying to set it up to show that Ripley's got some 
odd tendencies, right? Like the running to and from work. And they're trying to make him sound like a serial killer, except not a serial killer. I couldn't find the right way to say it. I was like, the, like I, I couldn't find the right way to say it, but that's exactly what I was trying to say. I mean, not a serial killer because he's not off killing people, but like that kind of just weird, creepy vibe. Well, they're they're trying to give him sociopathic tendencies. Is basically yes. what they're doing. Yes, and I don't think I don't I I just think it's a it's a fake out. Yeah. Well, the reason he runs eight miles round trip to and from work every day, it could very well be that he's trying hard to keep himself in a routine so he doesn't, you know, relapse into the kid he was. But the thing is, we don't even know, like, we there's so much that we don't know about what happened, obviously, to Ripley when he was a kid, because, like, that could have just been, like, they saw him as violent, but it was really, like, he was defending himself and, like, that kind of situation. And, like, they took that one instance and, like, defined him as violent. And, like, you know, there's so many other things that that could have been perceived as that, like, what if Ripley's not even really that violent at all? And he never was. And that's why he's so mad at Dr. Charles for the way Dr. Charles treated him back when he was a kid. Yeah, there, there are much a, held a grudge against Dr. Why. Charles this whole time. Big time. Big time. So, million reasons as to why he sort of resents Dr. Charles. Yeah. But also so. don't forget we do have that we do have that moment in the middle of this where, you know, Ripley even like goes up to Charles and is like, "Hey, you said something earlier and it got me out of my head. Thank you." Yeah. It was like, "Oh, these two are playing nice. Just kidding." Yeah. So he's able to, you know, he he's able to kind of, you know, be the bigger person, but yeah. Yeah. So many reasons as to why he might resent Dr. Charles. Yeah. So yeah we will see we will see we will see but also i didn't like in this clip how dr charles basically accuses him like a middle schooler like he's so passive aggressive but that's how he still sees him he tries like earlier in the episode dr charles is like you know what we're gonna put the past in the past but like he can't dr charles cannot put it past he still sees ripley as like the middle school high school kid oh that's a good point i didn't even think about that even though he's trying, he says he's, like, putting the past in the past, he's not. He can't see past that. Right. He's just saying he is, but he doesn't realize that he's not. Right. And now that he thinks that Ripley, you know, manipulated the test, he's like, oh, nope, just kidding. He's back. He's still the middle school kid that I always knew. I don't think he manipulated it. I, I just don't. I feel like they set it up too easily. Like, oh, look, Ripley manipulated it. Just kidding. That's tv for you like i just feel like it's kind of obvious that it wasn't ripley. i'd be shocked if it was actually ripley ripley manipulate i would be shocked yeah that would be the actual twist that he actually did it right right yeah but any other notes on med Ned is off to such a solid start i've really loved both of these episodes for sure really really solid start really also next week the promo wild goodwin's making out with somebody hannah's making out with somebody making out with scott michael foster and scott michael foster's wife shows up and is like calling hannah out in the ed in front of everybody it's gonna be messy and i'm here for it yeah it's getting real messy over there i like it also hannah and ripley though what i'm not here for that but like what is that weird vibe let's see let's just see i thought that was gonna be this episode weren't they promoing that for this episode that's what everyone said everyone's like oh my god 
And, like, it's a different... You can definitely tell in the new promo, it's not Ripley she's kissing. Like, everyone last week was, like, freaking out. It's like, she's kissing Ripley. It's like, calm down, people. She's not kissing Ripley. We're not there yet. I did see the promo where, like, they make eyes at each other at Molly's, but that could have been anything. Yeah. And then, but in this promo, he's, like, saying some weird stuff, kind of being trying to be flirty with her in the ED, and it's like, who are you? just got here. You just got here. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I also just, we love Scott Michael Foster, so, like, I will, I don't care if he's gonna, his character's gonna be an asshole. I'm just, like, ready to have him back on my screen. True. That. All of that. Did you ever watch Greek? No. <sighs> nope. So good. But I watched him on Once Upon a Time, and I watched him on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He was on Once Upon a Time? Oh, yeah, he was Kristoff. So did he overlap with Jesse? No, Jesse was more in the earlier seasons um, as Cinderella. And then Kristoff came in, I want to say, in like season four when they did the Frozen arc. When Connor, Connor comes back on the pod, we've got to ask him. But actually, though, yes. Did you freak out about that one? Yes. Oh, my God. No, we totally have to ask him. Yeah, he probably did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Now I just want to go watch, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's, like, like songs, scenes. Oh. I don't think I ever actually finished Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Gina! I know. I got to the last season. I just, I don't think I ever finished it. The last season was okay. Yeah, that's what it's I not heard. My fa- it's not my favorite season, but I just want to go watch, like, all the songs. Do you think I would still like Greek now that I'm, like, in my late 30s? It's fun. I mean, it's also very, like, it feels like it came out in 2007, 2008. Like, okay. And, but, I mean, it's fine. Like, I enjoyed it. I watched it. I mean, I watched it at this point. It was almost, like, five years ago. But. Hmm. It's fun. Hmm. I think it's on Hulu. I think. I will look. I haven't had time to binge watch. I need to get back on the Gilded Age. and I haven't had time. Oh, my God. I started. I've only watched one episode, though. The Miguel Zorro show on Amazon came out. Oh, okay. And I only watched one because it's like, because it's, well, I want to watch it in Spanish with subtitles. Like, I got to, like, you know. Pay attention. Focus. And I've only been able. But so far, it was good. Episode one was good. But I just. Miguel. Yeah. I just put that man on my screen. Friendly reminder to all of you out there that if you watch a foreign drama on Netflix, always watch it with subtitles in the original language. Don't watch it dubbed. The dubbing is terrible. Yeah, like my Amazon choice, the first thing was like English. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, let me go back to Spanish and then I'll do English subtitles. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Always watch it in the original language with subtitles. I need to hear Miguel's voice. Voice, yeah, yeah. I need to hear it. Yep. I just love that man. But anyway. Love it. Love it. Moving into fire. Oh boy. There's so much happening in this episode. There are there is madness going on in this episode. It's insane. Yeah. Okay, so we'll start off with Mouch. Uh, keep in mind the episode title for this one was Call Me McHolland, and yet the promo was about Severide and Cruz. Yeah. Okay. Also, I just like every time I hear McHolland, I like try to do it in that like irish accent the scottish accent that he tries to do it in and it just cracks me up every time it's It's really funny and i can't do it i can't do it yeah really really funny so stella comes in to find mouch assembling weightlifting equipment 
Yep. Yep. Mouch is like dedicated. He's like, you know what? Like I had the health scare, you know, I almost died and like, I'm committed. He's committed. Yeah. Yep. He's like, I'm working out every day. We're doing this, like fixing it all. So they go out on a call and they come back and Mouch sees Violet in his spot. And she is just all sprawled out. So comfy with her cereal bowl. And she's like, oh shit, sorry, Mouch, I'm in your spot. And he's like, you know what? No, like you're good. Stay there. You know, I needed a lifestyle change. I'm giving up my spot. I would not have a problem with this if he didn't toss the pillow. I know. No. The sacred pillow. It is the sacred pillow. Also, I was just dying when Violet, she's like, that's what Mouch stands for. And they're just like, <laughs> you didn't know? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, she's like, I always just thought that was his name. Girl, you're supposed to be a smart one. No, that's really funny, though. I bet a lot of people like came into this show without having seen it from the beginning and probably just accepted it, never questioned it. It's crazy. So funny. So, yeah, and he also has decided he's not going by Mouch anymore. He's going by McHolland. McHolland. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was not that great, but I just, I, I hear, ugh. it just takes me back to season nine when he was filming the, when they were doing the whole thing because he wanted to join the, oh, why can I not think of what it's called, the Mart the band the firefight whatever i know exactly what you're talking about and they yeah, were yeah. filming the videos and like the scott oh my god i just think about that because he did the accent there too and it's just christian stolte at his fucking best oh my god he's so funny so good he's i so just have good. the image of him with the kilt being like walkers have dreams too joe yeah oh my gosh so funny iconic very iconic yeah so cruz sees mouch changing the tape on his locker and he's like, so why are you switching it up now? I mean, it's been so long. Like, why? And Mouch is just like, I don't want my legacy in the CFD to be a spot on the couch. If I was younger, I might try to make rank, but I'm afraid that the ship has sailed. Now it's a matter of pride. I want to go out knowing I gave everything I have to this job, that I left it all on the table. That's how I want to be remembered. Mouchie! I know. I know. Also, Crew says something in the scene about he gave Mouch the pillow. Did we see that or was that like pre-our time, like pre-fire time? No, it wasn't the pillow when he came back from having his heart attack. Was that it? Yeah. They all blur together. It all it's, blurs together. It's almost like we have 11 prior show seasons of the show. I know. Yeah. Crazy. But, okay. I couldn't remember if we saw that or not. I'm pretty sure Joe gave it to him after he had the heart attack. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I always get all like sentimental when Mouch and Herman talk about their legacies. I'm like, but you guys are perfect just the way you are. Stop it. I know. I know. I do love though when the show chooses to celebrate them though. Like it just. Because sometimes like they're always usually used for like the comedy stuff. So like when they actually get to like be celebrated, I just, I really enjoy those storylines. Definitely. Definitely. But I just, it's interesting. Mouch is like, you know, I don't want a couch spot to be my legacy. No, you're, this is part of your legacy. It's yeah that you were sh like unapologetically who you are. Yeah. So Bowden then calls Mouch in to talk about Mouch's request for a new turnout code. And we get this. Any particular reason for the change? Mouch 
isn't who I am anymore. And I can't expect people to call me by anything else if it's branded on me like some regrettable tattoo of an ex-girlfriend. But listen, I understand with budget cuts and all that, if it can't happen... No, no, no. That's fine. If that's what you want. But, um, I think... I think I want to make something clear. The Mouch I know is a smoke eater who saved a six-year-old girl from that party store fire and then got everyone out before the entire place exploded and it was Mouch who received the Medal of Valor for his courage that day. Mouch is the one who talked Ritter off of those stairs and brought him here to 51. Mouch is a warrior who took a bullet from a high-caliber rifle and somehow came back even stronger. Now, I could go on and on, but my point is this. The mouse that I know will always be a hero. No matter what name he chooses to go by. Chief, stop yeah. it. Well, I mean, it's basically what you said, that, like, Mouch is a part. Mouch standing for what it stands for is not defining of the legacy. It's, you know, Mouch is, you know who he is and like that's a part of who you know his legacy yeah yeah so. big time yeah Bowden with another great speech it was just but actually though he's two for two this season he really is he really is yep yeah so then we have brett uh brett our girl is stressing me out she's stressing a lot of people out <laughs> Stressing me out. Go ahead. Yeah. So remember, we're a month and a half away from the wedding. A month and a half away. And they have no wedding venue. No wedding venue whatsoever. The way this stresses me the fuck out. Well, and it's like, they really want something like simple and intimate. And they're like, how about Molly's? And like, Violet's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing Molly's. Um. Violet mentions the shark room at the aquarium, and that's, like, out of budget. So, like, there's, she's struggling here. She's basically just like, you know, I finally get to marry Matt Casey, and I just want it to be perfect. Which, like, yeah, but you probably should have started planning a while ago. That, and as much as you shoot for your wedding day to be perfect, not gonna happen. Something always goes wrong. Something always goes wrong. Always. Yeah. yeah. So... Later on, the girls are discussing venues in the common room, and Tony, Tony of all people, overhears, and he's like, look, I've got it, because Brett's talking about the London house, whatever that is. Don't know. Yeah, that's a venue I actually don't know. There were a couple places they named that I was like, man, I thought I was becoming, like, an honorary Chicagoan, and I don't know these London places. London house, Chicago. I'm Googling, too. It's a hotel. A luxury hotel. Ooh. Yeah, this is very swanky. Okay, but, like, you're not going to get this a month and a half out from the wedding. Uh, no. No. Very pretty, though. Very pretty. Um, But, yeah, so Tony's like, look, like, I have a friend who works there. Like, let me see what I can do. And Brett's like, oh, my God, that would be great. So we're at the, like, shifts over. We're at Molly's. And Tony and Brett are still working together on more ideas because apparently Tony knows everyone in the city and has connections everywhere. And he's trying to help Brett, but 
they keep kind of failing. Um, and Violet sees them, and, like, even though she won't say it, she kind of gets a little sad because, like, she's not, even though Brett invites her to sit down, like, she's not totally being included because at this point, it's Brett and Tony deciding on the wedding venue. Yeah. Which is, like, just so funny because I love Tony's storylines. But it is a little sad because, like, Violet's, like, feels a little left out, even though she would never say that, but she kind of feels a little left out. I felt kind of bad for her. I know. I did, too. I did, too. Um, But... We're at shift to the next shift and Brett pulls Violet aside at the beginning and she's like, so what do you plan for Bachelorette? And Violet's like, I didn't know I was supposed to be planning Bachelorette. And well, Brett's like, yeah, you're my maid of honor. And Violet's like, huh? And she's like, oh my God, did I forget to ask you? And yeah. I think a lot of us were like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) What do you, okay, were you, I guess, you, so you were surprised by that too? I was surprised. I'm not mad. Some people I'm are not mad. mad. I think the more I thought about it, I think I really thought that she was going to find a way to, like, she was going to have, like, Stella be her matron of honor and, like, Violet be her maid of honor. Yeah. That... She would do, like, toes. But, like, at this point, it just seems like it's strictly Violet because, like, Stella came up afterward and Stella's, like, just fine. She's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I I was kind of like, I, I I was surprised. I'm not mad. But I guess it does make sense because, I mean, Brett and Violet spend hours and hours They're a day so together on Lambo. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, Stella and Brett have been friends for a lot longer and they've been closer for a lot longer. But, like, Violet and Brett are very close. Very close. I, I, I was surprised, though. Not gonna lie. I was surprised, though. Yeah. A lot of Except, people are I mad, thought it, but... I thought it would be maybe even co, you know, like matron and maid, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, why don't you just have two? Yeah. I don't know. Who else is gonna be in her wedding party, or is that just gonna be it? <laughs> um, hold on. There's no other girls unless you unless, unless you pull Chloe. Well, yeah, Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy. Yeah, unless you pull from like Chloe, Cindy, and Donna. Yeah. It's too I'll bad we never got Donna. To... I'll just take a Donna and Chloe appearance at this point. Yeah, same. And while with Cindy not in the hospital. So that I'll too. Take it. That too. Well, no, never mind. Hold on. I'm yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was just thinking through the list of like who other minor characters. Yeah. But anyway, so and then it basically just ends like Violet's now trying to use Tony for like help with the bachelorette party. And he's like, I no, you've I've tapped out my resources. I'm done. And Violet's like, No, I need your help, please. Yeah. So yeah, so we end up basically we still have no venue. Violet's planning a bachelorette party, which I hope we see at this point. If they're like talking about a bachelorette party, I feel like we need to see the bachelorette party. Oh, oh. would Kylie be in the wedding? I could see it. I feel like if it's going to be anyone, I feel like it's going to be, like, Violet, Stella, Kylie. Maybe Chloe, but, like, I don't know. But, like, I feel like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, anyway. A lot of people had a lot to say about this one. This was like, strong feelings, too. People had, yeah. Um, So, Natasha W. says, why the fuck is Violet the maid of honor? 
Stella and Sylvie had more years behind them. Their romantic life partners are best friends. And come to think of it, Stella is super close with the groom because they lived together for like two years. Sylvie literally has a picture of her and Stella at her wedding when she was the maid of honor up in her locker. I'm just saying, you put in time as a best friend, you earn that spot. You know where all the bodies are buried. This also may be why I never understand why Stella was Chloe's maid of honor. True. Also true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, and I'm not saying that, like I said, I'm, I was a little surprised that it wasn't Stella too. But, like, I also feel like just because you were someone's maid of honor in their wedding doesn't mean you have to make them theirs. No. Them in your wedding. Right. It's not like a, I, you're in, you know, like, it doesn't have to always be the same. It's not a quid pro quo. Right. For sure. That was the phrase I was looking for. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It just so happened to work out that way for me that I had two maids of honor and I had been maid of honor in both of their weddings. That was pure coincidence, though. Yeah. So, Yeah. Not how that so, works. Yeah. But uh, like I was surprised, but it I, it's definitely not a quid pro quo. But. No, no. But Devonay said, I still can't believe Sylvie hasn't had some kind of wedding outline planned her entire life. How are you a month and a half away and you don't have a venue? I mentioned the secondhand anxiety it gave me last week, but you obviously have very committed friends and family that are available for any date you're throwing at them for this small wedding, air quotes. Also, the drama of it all was a bit corny for an episode with some heavy parts to it. I was talking to Lauren right before we started recording, and she had a good point in all of this. Where the fuck is Matt? Is he doing any of the wedding planning with her? Is he helping her at all? I mean, he's in Portland, but like, I don't know. I like the rumor. There's a rumor going around that we're going to see Jesse for more than one episode. So like, if that is rumor is true... Then he's got to be showing up at some point. I mean, yeah. But also, why did they wait so long? I know. I know. I know. I just want to, like, shake some scent into both of them. Like, a month and a half out, Molly's might be all you have. Look, Gina, they're in love. They just want to start their lives together. They've waited long enough. I know they've waited long enough, but, like... Wedding planning is a beast. Oh, I know. I yeah. know. But anyway. Um, Helen said, I did not have Tony being the MVP of the Bretzy wedding planning on my bingo card, but here we are. And I loved it. If he can't be made of honor, can he at least be the ring bearer? Tony has the ring bearer. <laughs> I love that. It would be so good. That would be amazing. I mean, I really more see Cap as the ring bearer, but like, I'll take Tony too. Poor kid no lost dose. Why can't they both do it? I mean, sure. And then Cap can play Jack, or he can get Jackson Loves Bananas as the wedding entertainment. Oh my God, please. <laughs> I just want to rewatch that whole scene again. Ugh. season oh, nine was God. such a gem season Cap nine and tony as ring bearers is amazing <laughs> i never knew i needed that in my life until now somebody write that fanfic please please, please. please. um and she goes on to say speaking of maid of honor i gotta say i was really surprised that not only stella wasn't sylvie's choice but also stella didn't seem to be bothered surprised by it i don't mind that violet is i just thought stella and sylvie were closer it's a detail i but i just thought it was surprising I mean, everyone, I mean, I feel like everyone's shocked. Like any like Brett and Casey fanfic that I've ever read, it's very obvious to like Severide is 
the best man and Stella is the maid of honor. Like, that's how they all go. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, I'm not mad at it. I just, it was very surprising. Yeah. Yeah, surprising. For sure. Carly said, oh, Sylvie, my sweet, sweet Sylvie, where did the Sylvie that organizes every detail in a binder or has spreadsheets for every occasion go? The writers forgetting that she's an organizing queen is what makes this one month away wedding with nothing done laughable. But I guess between the move and the adoption things happen, uh, I just wish she could ask all of 51 to help out. We're not going to talk about the maid of honor pick because in my mind, it's both Stella and Violet and we're sticking with that. Okay. Please get married at Molly's. And I think Brenna can attest to this, that so much of their scenes slowly falling in love with each other happened there anyways. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I am curious whether they're going to, like, get married at Molly's or not. I think it would be cool. It would be fun. I mean, we did see Match and Trudy do it. But so what? So what? That was a while ago at this point, so. It's the cool place to get married. Yeah. Well, remember that time when Molly's had a patio? They could get married out on the patio, but, like, they got rid of the patio, I guess. Whatever happened to the patio? Bring that back. That was a, we have to be in COVID times, and we can't use a bar if we don't stick to, like, you know rules so we have to create a patio bring back the patio that would be badass that would be such a nice wedding i'd be so pretty especially if it's like a springtime wedding hell yeah i'd be really pretty yeah i feel like it i feel like at this point it's either gonna be the molly's or the aquarium because they just put so much emphasis on violet wanting the aquarium yeah and i saw some tweets out there where people were like they cannot get married in an aquarium hold the phone I have been to the Shed Aquarium. I have been to said Shark Room. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I it is too, gorgeous. when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Floor to ceiling, Shark Tank. It's beautiful. When people get married in all kinds of we- museums and, like, aquariums, like, it's pretty, I don't want to say common, because I don't think it's, like, common, but it's not, like, as rare as you think it is. Like, yeah. the, most museums or things like that have event spaces where you can have a party. Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. When I was in college um, for, like, AU's birthday, they always threw this big, like, founder's ball, and it was always at a different uh, Smithsonian museum every year. Um, So, like, museums have parties all the time. Yeah. It's pretty common. I see no shame in getting married at Molly's. Yeah. But I feel like at this point it's either going to be Molly's or it's going to be the aquarium. Which are two very different things. And they keep saying they want to keep it small, but the aquarium apparently holds 600. If it's the room I'm thinking of, I don't think it does. But I just feel like it's either Molly's or the aquarium, and the two are very different experiences. Yes. Very different. And I feel like it'll either slowly come out because supposedly they're getting ready to film episode six and it's probably either six or seven it's going to be the wedding i would assume yeah given on the fact that Kara is only supposed to be around for like half fish of the episodes which means i feel like we'll kind of have an idea if they're on location trying to film at the aquarium i don't know yep i feel like we'll kind of have some ideas maybe coming up here shortly yeah so fingers crossed yeah Man, I just, I, I realized this was probably a very benign decision to have her, like, a month and a half out. But, like, man, is the whole fandom stressed out. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of decisions are coming from the fact that, like, this is the way, like, this is the way to get Kara off the show. Yeah. So, like, 
and she's not saying the whole season. So they can't elaborate and be like, oh no, like the whole season takes place over five months. And like Brett actually is five months. Like they're kind of having to do it this way because again, Kara's exiting the show. So like, I feel like, yeah, maybe they make don't make it like a ton of sense, but like they kind of got to do what they got to do to like yeah. make it work and like get her off the show. Yeah. So. Yep. So we've also got Herman and Ritter. This is just like one of those old school episodes where there's like seven different things going on. So much happening. So much. Yeah. So don't forget that Herman basically took the brunt of that explosion last he week. He went, yee. <laughs> yes, he did go yee. <laughs> yeah. He did. He got yeeted into the air, kind of like Haley did that one season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so Ritter sees Herman in the kitchen and asks him how he's feeling, but Herman doesn't hear him. So he gets like jump scared. He's like, whoa, why are you sneaking up on me? What are you doing? So then Ritter goes to Herman's quarters to check on him and the same thing happens again. And so Ritter's like, hang on, like you can't hear, can you? And Herman admits, he's like, yeah, my ears have been ringing, but really it's no big deal. Like, you know, it'll come back. No big deal. And Ritter is encouraging him to see a doctor because he's like, fuck no, like that, you can't do that. Like, you have to see a doctor. So as they're leaving shift, Herman's walking to his car and a huge truck drives by that he doesn't hear at all. And he gets startled by it. Um, And he's in like super grump mode this episode because I mean, probably because he can't freaking hear. Yeah. But Ritter emphasizes it again to him at Molly's and we get this clip. You need to see a doctor. But I'm fine. The older you get, the more you get used to living with stuff like this. I got a crick in my neck that's been around longer than you. I'm serious, Herman. I'm serious, too. I don't need some crackpot doctor red flagging me for something that is going to go away all on its own. Well, what if it doesn't? Mouch took a bullet. He spent six months in rehab and he came this close to the CFD doctors, almost forcing him into early retirement. They declare me unfit for duty at this point in my career. That could be it for me. And that's not the way that you know, guys like me and Mouch, we want to go out. What if something happens on a call? Or what if the next time the truck doesn't miss? I am Ritter in this moment. I'm like... Okay, yeah, you you were lucky the last couple times. You were lucky that a truck didn't almost run you over, but, like... What about next time? Yeah. yeah. I am Ritter. Ritter is me. <laughs> uh, I, it, isn't this most men, when they have to go to the doctor, though, aren't most of them like, it's fine, it's not a big deal? I feel like the thing for me, and I know that, like, Herman's worried because he basically feels like he pretty much knows something's wrong and he knows that like he's afraid of what's going to happen to him once he finds out what's really wrong. Yeah. That, like it could end his career. It's kind of like when Casey in season nine had the head thing get brought back up and he's like, I don't really want to know because if I don't know, then I like at least can still work. But like if I know, then there's a chance I may not be able to work anymore. Right. Um, so like I get why, but it's also like Herman just went through cindy's cancer battle like i would feel like he's in a place where like he takes his i would hope he would be taking his health super seriously because you know look what they just went through um but 
That could go both ways, though. That could be just that he's exhausted after, you know, what Cindy went through and he doesn't want to have to go through that again. Yeah, but I don't know. I would hope it would go the other way. You know, either one. But Ritter, again, goes to check in on Herman because, you know, he he basically he thought he was going to make the appointment and everything. And so Herman can't get in with the audiologist for two weeks. And he's just like, no, like it, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll go away. And Ritter just is like, maybe you shouldn't be here then if you can't hear. Yeah. And honestly, these days, two weeks is nothing. Trying to get into doctors, like two weeks is nothing. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, sadly. But uh, yeah. And so he's like, I was thinking about it, but I think my hearing is getting better already. I think we're good narrator voice it was not in fact good yeah no no herman almost makes a huge mistake on the call like huge mistake he doesn't because he didn't hear his radio yeah doesn't hear the radio and goes to put water on the fire while everyone's still inside and we learned Mm -hmm. from that one season why that is bad yep he basically almost like incinerated half the firehouse yep bad 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 and Ritter's disappointed. Ritter's just like, this is what I was telling you. This is why we right. listen to Ritter and go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So Herman finally goes to the audiologist. He failed the test, but it's within the range that's correctable. So there's hope. There's hope. But he will have to wear hearing aids. And uh, she lets him know, you know, hey, you are right on the edge of F- or CFD requirements. So, you know, if your hearing gets worse, then we need to revisit this. And he's nervous. Yeah. You know, Do you think they did this story, this like specific storyline? Because you know David Eigenberg has bad hearing loss and does wear hearing, hearing aids. aids sometimes. Maybe. Do you, th- Do you think that's why they did this storyline? Maybe. Are you, second question, are you worried about Herman? No. Like in the future, like you don't think this is like a, I don't even want to put it out there. No, but now that you've said that, should I be? I want to say I'm not, but like, I just feel like anything that like kind of looks like one, I'm like, "Mm." not yet. Yeah, I'm at like a 15% worried. I'm not quite there yet, but let's see what the next couple episodes give us. Yeah. Maybe makeup just got sick of covering it up and they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Write it in. I don't know. Maybe. I never knew Eigenberg wore hearing aids until that tweet came down last night. You didn't know that? Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure they did it. They incorporated it into Steve 2 on when the Sex and the City reboot, whatever that whole drama is. And just like that. Mm-hmm. I think they incorporated it into Steve 2, if I remember hmm. correctly. I only watched like two episodes, but if I remember correctly, yeah, pretty sure they put it back and put it in the Steve character yeah. too. Yep. So, so Devin a said, "I swear to God, Herman better be fine after he gets his hearing aids because that would be heartbreaking if he had to medically retire from CFD, especially after all they went through with Cindy's cancer." I know change is inevitable, but as Gina tweeted, there is such a thing as too much change. It is true. I didn't tweet that. Because there is such a thing. I know. I know. 
Um, Helen said, I'm worried about Herman big time. I don't know where they're going with it, but can we just let the Hermans be happy? They've been going through a lot of shit lately. They deserve some calm waters after for a bit. I know, but we know how TV works. Happy means not on screen. I know. (laughs) But actually, but they, they do need some calm waters. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Now we get to... Severide and Cruz. Oh my God! Why didn't we lead off with them? Goodness, because they didn't have a scene for a hot second. <laughs> That's Ooh. why we didn't lead off with them. Oh, I've got opinions. Go ahead. All right. So it all starts off where Squad and Eighty One get caught out to like this kid hanging from the sign on some building, and Severide gets the kid down. He does Severide things. I mean, not as crazy as rescue, but like. You know, um, but as Severide's taking the kid down, the kid asks if he can get the drone that he flew up there. That because that's the whole reason he was up there, um, because so the dad, his dad, won't kill him. And so Cruz overhears this. Cruz is like in the window of this building or whatever, and Cruz is like, "You know what? I'm gonna go after the drone, even though Severide did not okay it." So Severide go or Cruz goes, gets the drone down, and Severide is pissed like he's pissed on the scene he doesn't say anything as like Cruz gives the kid back the drone but like just the look on his face it's like Severide's pissed well and even before that Cruz like offered some sort of input on the situation and was like well we could go this way and instead of Sev being like well you know we'll go this way because of this he just shoots him down he's like I already said we're doing this instead yeah why why are you being an asshole Sev. Yeah. Yeah. So they get back when they get back to the house. Um, Severide confronts Cruz about it. And like, like I said, Severide's pissed. He's like, no more freelancing. That ends now. And Cruz is like, hold up. You left me in charge for three months. And now I can't think for myself. And Severide's just like, Cruz, don't let it happen again. We've never heard him raise his voice that much. No. Hell, and I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like this version of Telly that has come back from being gone. Neither, neither. So, after his talk with Severide, Cruz is like, "You know what? Fuck you." I'm, and he goes into Bowden's office, and he's like, "I want to take the lieutenant's exam." He's like, "It's time for me to leave Fifty One and run my own unit." Which, like. Go ahead, Cruz. You want to go take your lieutenant's exam? Go for it. But, like, I don't want him to leave. Yeah, hell yeah. It is absolutely time for you to take the lieutenant's exam. But we have abandonment issues and you must stay forever. Especially here recently. But actually, though. Yeah. So, Stella notices the tension and she's like, you know what? I'm going to play mediator in this situation. So, she talks to Severide at Molly's and they're being, like, cutesy little married Stellaride and he's like you know what Cruz will get over it when she walks so Cruz will get over it and they're like playing with their bee rattles I don't know what they're doing being cute and then she's like you know what I'm gonna go down to talk to Cruz and this is what happens when she talks to Cruz okay fine you are right we all know he's not great at saying words but he's also really great about letting things roll off his back Did something happen on the call with the drone kid? Okay, look. I like to think that I don't have an ego. 
You know, that when it comes to the chain of command, I know where I stand. But I'm tired of feeling disrespected. And when he took off to go work with those ATF guys without saying where he was going or when he was coming back, I covered for him. No questions. For three months, I acted up, leading squad, taking a hit at home. And he comes back, and he's barking orders. And telling me to fall in line like nothing changed. When a lot did, he just wasn't here for it. And I know he left you in the dark too, so you know what I'm saying. But I bet he at least apologized to you. I think you brought this up last episode that, you know, we covered what him leaving meant to Stella, but we really never talked about what it did to Cruz. Yeah. It wasn't just, it was maybe the biggest, had the biggest impact on Stella because they're newlyweds. Yeah. But it wasn't just like a severed Stella thing. It wasn't an isolated bubble that only affected Stella. It affected everyone. Yeah. Cruz the most because of, you know, him having to fill in for Severide, but like it affected everyone in the house. And yeah, when you think of the dust that it kicked up at 51, because everybody had to scramble in his absence, it makes you realize that him kind of getting tunnel vision and ghosting like that was kind of selfish. Yeah. Yeah. And now the fact that like, and what Cruz pointed out to Stella, which I think Stella already knew is that like, Severide isn't thinking about the fact that, like, he thinks that Sev- he just came back and, like, everything is just the way it was when he left, you know, three months prior. Yeah. But it's not. Like, things can change in three months. A lot of things change in three months. Right. Um, And he just didn't even try to get to know what happened, you know, in those three months. He just, you know. And the fact that, like, Cruz even says, he, you know, he ends it with, like, well, I bet he at least apologized to you. I mean, it's a it, it's a point. It's a good point. It's a valid. It's a such a valid point. And it's really it's really rude of Sev to come back and act like nothing changed. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for me to buy about this situation is that because of the time jump, like it does make it feel like. It's a little weird for me to think that, like, so Cruz just let this fester and, like, build up inside of him for six months and didn't say anything. But, I, I mean, I think that's me. just, like, a, you know, they had all shows did a time jump and, like, they still want to tell these stories. I feel like that's just, like, a, it fell victim to that. But Yeah, but I don't think guys are as forthcoming with their feelings as girls are. No, that I mean, that's true. That's true. I just feel like six months is a long time for it to just, like, bubble up. But I can see it. Yeah, I I think I see it. I see it. I think Cruz, it's definitely not the first time Sev's done that. I think that was just enough that Cruz had had it. Well, no, I mean, if you think about it, every time Sev goes goes and plays Fire Cop, he's leaving Cruz in charge. Like, every time he's not there, he's leaving Cruz in charge. But that's different because it's, like, three hours or, like, maybe a day. Yeah. Not three whole months. Right. Right. It's crazy that he doesn't get any sort of like honorary credit for acting as lieutenant for three months. Like you would think some of that would go towards his lieutenant's training. Well, and if you really want to count every time he's been a lieutenant, acting lieutenant, 
while Severide was playing Firecop, then you probably didn't even take me to take the test. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. No, I'm definitely, I'd say, on Team Cruise 1,000% right now. Oh, big time. Big time. So, Cruise goes to see Bowden next shift, and Bowden's like, here's your study guides. Here's a list of, you know, all the upcoming tests. Here's a list of openings at other houses. And, you know, Bowden, I mean, Bowden's being the, you know, most supportive he can in the situation. He's like, look, you put in the work. I have no doubt you're ready. If this is truly what you want, like, you know, as much as it'll hurt to see you go, like, you're going to make a great leader. Um. So then they get to the structure fire call, whatever it is, a bike shop, something like that. Something like that. The details are not totally important in this moment. Um, and we'll get to more of that in two seconds. But Severide, you know, they're trying to figure out how to fight the fire, you know, how to save everyone's lives. And, like, Severide actually listens to Cruz's idea. Cruz's idea. Shocking. Yeah, I know. And then they actually... Put their feelings aside and later on when they're at molly's they talk it out there was zero question who i was going to leave in charge and you were right you acted up for three months you did good Bowden said you really took to the role so if, if if i didn't seem thankful that's on me because i was and i am I appreciate you saying that. That being said, I'm back now. And if taking orders from me is going to be a problem, if you know, you've had your taste of leadership and you can't shake it, I'm not going to stand in your way if you need to move on. How did you feel about this? I go back and forth, to be honest. Like, on the one hand, I am glad that Severide... I don't even know if I really want to totally call it like a full apology, but like recognized where Cruz is coming from and Cruz's feelings that like he understands that like, you know, there's, you know, he gets it. But like, I feel like if they just left it at that, I would have been fine with it. But then when Severide comes back and he's like, but with that being said, I'm back now. Like, like, I feel like that was just like, that rubbed me the wrong way. If they had just left it at like Severide apologizing and Cruz saying like I appreciate you saying that, I would have been more fine with it. I don't think he meant the apology at all. You think he just said that because Stella kind of got on him? Probably. Yeah, I think Stella probably made him, and that's why he said it. I don't think he gives a shit. Interesting. Well, and it's it's that last part, like you said, it the. The subtext of this is basically, like, you can't try to, you know, you, you can't try to, like, override me during a call. And if you have a problem with that, then leave. I mean, yeah, no, I, it, it really rubs me the wrong way. And I think the thing is, though, is I feel like, though, there's also a different way he could have said that part. Oh, big time. Like, I understand that he does have to remind Cruz that, like, look, like, I really appreciate what you did for me. And, like, I'm super thankful for that. But at the same time, like, I am technically still lieutenant of Squad 3. And so we've got to find a way to, you know, work it out. But, like, I am still technically in Like, I feel like there's a different way he could have worded that that wasn't, like, and if taking orders for me is going to be a problem. You know, that just was not... 
I feel like this version of Kelly that has come back from being with the arson investigator stuff, this version of Kelly is not 100% present. His mind is yeah. elsewhere. He's still hung up on the arson stuff. Yeah. He's he not 100%. He wants to be fire cop. That's, that, let's yeah. be real. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be fire cop. Yeah. But he knows, going back to last week, he knows he can't do fire cop right now because of what arson represents. We're not right. going back in that whole thing. But, like, yeah, I thought about that, too. And it is funny because last week, well, first of all, in our wish list episode, I was like, you know what? I don't want the stellar eye drama to last more than, like, one episode. I was like, I want it to be done in the premiere and, like, we're done. And now I'm like, but last week stuff still felt unfinished. I'm like, Severide still has stuff he needs to, they still need to work out. And, like, I feel like we just didn't talk about it this week. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But. But. Now I take Kelly... back what I said in the wish list. I was like, they still got shit to work out. Big I time. need it to last more than one episode. Big time. Especially if this version of Kelly is going to stick around. Yeah. He better get himself right. Yeah. But also, it doesn't have to be arson or your marriage. No. What what Sever I really needs to do, he needs to find Burgess's therapist from last season. And, like, he needs to go to some therapy because I feel like if he, like, really saw a good therapist, we could get there. I love how this has become the fix for everything in one Chicago. Let's be real. Every single character in One Chicago needs some therapy. They need Burgess's therapist. She just needs to become the One Chicago therapist. But actually, look what she did for Burgess. Yeah. I mean, look what she did for Kim. That's all I'm saying. The woman can work some magic. This is the solution for everything now. Go see Kim's therapist. But actually, though, Jay should, like, hire her on telehealth so she can be like, you suck. Yeah, that'll be $100. But actually, though, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say one sentence to you. You suck. $100, please. Pretty much. Yeah, he's like, I'm sad. And she's like, I wonder why. You ruined your fucking marriage. 100 bucks now. No, no, no. Not Jay. Jason. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Uh, I don't know how. I'll never forget about that. Oh, man. It might be a trauma response. Maybe I just pushed it out of my brain. (laughs) You blocked it out of your memory. Maybe I need to see Kim's therapist. (laughs) Maybe we all do. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. No, but, like, but I'm being seen. Like, we're kind of joking about the therapist, like, him seeing Kim's therapist. But, like, I'm actually not really joking either. Like, I really do feel like Sebride would really benefit from a good therapist. He would never see a therapist, though. He's too I'm, stubborn. I'm not saying he would, but he would benefit immensely from a great therapist. We all would. No, I know, but Severide right now especially would yeah. really benefit. Do you think that they are doing this with Cruz as a possible backup plan if Taylor leaves? It did not cross my mind. Let's put it that way. Because they've not said, they keep saying, like, we have him back for now. Like, they basically, they're not sure. He could stick around for another three years. He could stick around until the end of season 11. Who knows? Or season 12. I'm sorry. Season 12. We don't know. Yeah. 
He could have signed like another lifetime contract with Dick Wolf. We don't know. We don't know. Nope. And it 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 crossed my mind. It's a solid strategy, if so. Yeah. Because it also kind of reminds me of like we all knew when Stella became lieutenant that like they weren't gonna have her really leave fifty one. Right. And so they like kind of found a way. Like it was like oh. But Casey, you know, it was just, like, it kind of all worked out. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. I don't know either. But it's in the back of my mind. I'm excited to see him become a lieutenant. It is well-deserved and a very long time For coming. sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It but Severide also needs to pull his head out of his ass. Yeah. Well, and especially, too, like, if you think about it, too... If Cruz wants to be a squad lieutenant, there's not a squad at every house. So it's not like when Stella, like Stella pretty much could go almost anywhere because like there's, you know, truck companies at every house. Mm -hmm. Like there's not that many squad, you know, the openings are very slim because there's not a squad at every house. Right. Um, Unless he wanted to go run, you know, a different company, but I don't see why he would. I'm hoping that this will be like a Herman situation where he becomes a lieutenant and then like just kind of. It magically works out. Yeah. It magically works out that he stays at 51. I don't even want to like think about a possible day when Joe leaves 51. That's not. No, never. We're not Not talking about it. It's not allowed. You know, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. We're not putting that out in the universe. No, we're not. I take it back. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Um, so of course we had some listener thoughts. Um, Helen said, I gotta say, I was more on Cruz's side. Yes, Severide is the ranking officer in squad, and Cruz never should have decided to retrieve that drone on his own. But he rose up to the challenge of taking over for Sev while he was gone for longer than was anticipated, which shouldn't have happened considering Cruz hadn't passed the lieutenant test, but that's a whole other problem altogether. Mm-hmm. Severide's been back for six months and apparently hadn't really thanked Cruz for it, and the way he berated Cruz was not warranted. I would have felt pretty mad and taken for granted. I'm glad Sev apologized in the end, but as far as where the storyline is going, TBD. Um, On one, I'm, she, mean, she means like on the one hand, I don't want to cruise to leave. But on the other hand, I do feel like he's outgrown his current position and I wouldn't want him to back down either. No. Neither. No. Yeah. And she nailed it here. talking about how like Cruz probably felt really mad and taken for granted. I would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Carly said, I think Severide overreacted with Cruz. All he did was get the kids drone so his dad wouldn't be mad. And I think that if Sev was a father, he'd understand. But unleashing holy hell like that was uncalled for. Also, at the first sign of trouble, Cruz wants to leave 51. Like, where did that come from? But I'm glad it all worked out in the end because I I know they'll never talk about it again. (laughs) But... I Sev, yeah, he absolutely overreacted. It was definitely Cruz being a dad. But I think Cruz's reaction was a defense mechanism. It was a knee jerk. Like, if you're going to talk to me like that, then I'm just going to get out of here. Yeah, it is, though. If you, like, really sit and think about it, you're like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But also, like, I think Cruz knows deep down that, like, basically, if he does commit, if he does really want to truly become a lieutenant, that he knows that he probably has to leave. It's not that it's not being like, oh, I hate everyone here. Like, I just I'm fucking over this place. Like, he pretty much knows that, like, if he really wants to, you know, have the career in the, you know, CFD that he wants to have, he's going to have to leave. Yeah. Which is sad, but like, 
There's only so many lieutenant positions. Yeah. True. True, true, true. Oh, so right. Okay. Yeah. Then we move into Violet and Carver. This is like the hottest topic of the night that like I didn't expect it. This was like everyone has feelings about this. Yeah. I get to talk about this one, really? <laughs> okay. Violet sees Carver on the phone while she's working on the Ambo. And he offers to help her, but she's like, no, I'm good. And I will give you this. The banter between them is fantastic. I don't know. This last night, it was working for me. I may be like slowly getting on this train. Like I was literally like the first thing happens. I'm like, why am I into this? I'm kind of feeling this. Like, why am I into this? This is this is another Hannah and Archer for me. I don't. Well, maybe, maybe different. Hannah and Archer, I don't see it. Violet and Carver, I don't want it. There's a difference. There's a difference. I don't want it. So Violet goes to Molly's and this is when Brett is talking to Tony and she feels kind of, you know, let down. So she goes to talk to Carver. But there's like Gina, there's the bonding. And then they kind of look at each other and I'm like, why do I feel this? No, why the eye, the eyes were great. They When they made eyes at each other, it was good. It, and I, like, he's like yeah. thanking her. He's like, you know what? Like, you know, thank you. I, you know, for the stuff with Emma, he's like, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you. You know, like they were bonding. I kind of wish that because it, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to a first kiss now. I wish they had played up enemies to lover a little bit more. I feel like I'd be more on board with this if they'd played it up a little bit more. Yeah, because when they kind of started it last year, it kind of almost in some ways came out of nowhere. It was like they pivoted from like that weird Stella and Carver stuff that we just don't want to talk about anymore to like Carver and Violet. And it was like, okay, but are they going there? Are we not going there? And now that's like, okay, no, they're going there. Yeah, yeah. So so during the shift, Carver, Carver finds Violet and he's like, did I do something wrong at Molly's? And she just kind of sticks with her excuse of like, I was late to meet a friend. Yeah. So then we go back to Molly's and like, I'm, I liked it, but I didn't like it because they gave Carver a moment like what Ruzik had in season one of PD when like he sees her across the bar and has this like life changing moment of like, oh, they gave that to Carver. I don't like it. The looks, though, like, oh, my God. The looks. Those were, I was so into that. I was like, holy shit. I was like, where did this come from? Why do I love this? A lot of people really loved it. A lot of people did. I just, ugh, ah, I, the, the banter was good. The eyes were good. I just don't want it. And I don't want it because, and this is a good question for Hanako too, is that I feel like every man after Hawkins is her just settling. No man is ever going to compare ever again. Hawkins was it for her. Okay. But here, my question to you is just because you have like a great once in a lifetime love, if that's what you want to call what Hawkins and Violet was, does that mean that Hawkins wouldn't want her to find love again and wouldn't want her to be happy and wouldn't want her to move on? Oh, he a thousand percent would. He would absolutely right. want Violet to be happy. But I wonder, I mean, again, that's a question for Hanukkah. Does she see it that way? Do you think Violet sees it that way of, you know, no man is ever going to compare again? Or... 
right I, I don't know. Is, is every man from now on going to be like, okay, but really she's kind of settling? I don't know. I also feel like, I mean, granted, we did see a lot of Hakami, but like, I feel like, I mean, I, I mean, I love Hakami. I still forever will love Hakami. Like, they will have a special place in my heart. It is interesting, though, because, like, we really didn't get to see, like, so much of what we saw from Hakami was them, like, in secret. We got to see, like, we. I felt like we were in a lot of ways so gypped from Hakami because, like, we barely got to see them as, like, a real-life couple with, like, no drama whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, now I'm like, oh, well, what does, like, an actual, like, violent relationship look like where there's, like, no real like they're not hiding in secret like they can tell their friends like i don't know i'd be curious i'd be curious well when they finally do have their first kiss are they going to continue to keep it secret or are they going to be out with it what do you think i don't know i feel like everyone's gonna know i feel i i don't know in my head it just popped up in my head and i'm like i'm like are they gonna like do so it's like the wedding gonna be like where they like hook up like i feel like you know everyone talks about like wedding hookups like I don't know. Like, is that going to go down at the Bretzy wedding? I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, no, I definitely feel like they're going there eventually. That's happening. Yeah, I just, I feel like I would maybe like it if Hawkami hadn't happened. Nothing. I mean, because after after Hawkins died, I was like, Gallo better stay the fuck away from her. I don't want any of this. Like, he is a boy. Like, I he, I don't want her with him at all. And now that there's another guy in the picture, I'm like, don't you stay away from her. Like, I don't know. Jimmy just has a special place in your heart. It's not because we're friends with Jimmy. That's the other part. <laughs> no, I'm just that. Jimmy did he did I mean he did he did a great job portraying Hawkins I mean it's kind of crazy when you when I still think about it like what he was able to do and like turn Hawkins into it is kind of crazy but um and and he he and Hanako had crazy chemistry now granted I I understand that you know the consensus is and Jimmy's told us this before that Hanako has chemistry with anything and anybody uh but yeah you know that what they had was special and nothing will ever compare to that. No, again. for sure. I it, it it is. And I feel like and I'm gonna I know you'd like kind of died on station 19, but <laughs> it really does remind me of like um Vic, Vic and Ripley. Ripley. And then he died, and then it was like, I don't really care about any of Vic's other things. You know, she tried that thing with Jackson and like that was not great, and like blah 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 blah. And then what's well, Theo right now is being an asshole. I hate what they're doing to his character. But, like, Vic and Theo for me was, like, I don't know if I can ever, like, Vic another relationship. And I'm, like, but Vic and Theo, I love them. Like, I love them. Yeah. Although I'm looking mad at Theo right now. But, like, that's a writing choice. I'm not, you know. But I don't know. Just keep your mind open. I don't want to keep my mind open. (laughs) Uh, But... Yeah, I mean that's 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 my hill that I will die on. And it's not because we're friends with Jimmy. It's not. It's because I liked Hakami. They were really great together. Yeah. I mean, I really like them too, but I'm open to seeing Violet find something again. Not with Carver. Not with Carver. I actually I was gonna say. I feel like this is the most I've liked Carver. Like, I really, Carver, there was nothing about Carver last night that I didn't, I I liked Carver last night. Okay. 
<laughs> if I say anything else, you have to get the buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. Their banter was good. And the eyes were good. That's more than I have thought you were going to say. So. Like. I'll take it. Baby steps. Baby steps. From an observational standpoint of just like making empirical observations. I'm like, yes. The banter between them was funny. I laughed. And then like, you know, the hard eyes at each other. That was cute. But I still don't want it. I don't want it. It's so funny because like I feel like in a watching like a year from now, I'm gonna pull a clip from this of you talking about it. And then next year you're gonna be like, I love them so much. They're my yeah. favorite ship. Like yep. watch it. I feel like that's what always happens. Yep. And cut. <laughs> and cut. Yeah, we'll just yeah. make the break right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now hand it over to future Gina and Bryna. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This was a hot topic, though. Like, I feel like by far, this is what everyone wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Geekazoid on Twitter said, I would I would have said this, or I never would have said this last season, but something about that Violet Carver chemistry is really working for me. That look across the bar. Um, Natasha W said, Violet and Carver are fucking cute. I just, she needs some fun. Do I think things could get not fun for them? Sure. We all know that Carver is made of issues and Violet's going to have to get to a place where she's okay moving on and living her life and it not being with Evan. They have potential for a lot of good drama and character exploration, but right now, super fucking cute. Aaron said, I did not want to like Violet and Carver, but damn it, they have chemistry. That con- that I contacted Molly's wowza. It's that scene, though. It's the it's that last scene. The but look across like, the bar. It's not just a look across the bar in one Chicago. The, the look across the bar is sacred. Burzik made it sacred. It's got a bigger meaning than just the look across the bar. <sighs> Damn it. Um, Heather B said, I know they aren't everyone's favorites, but I love both of them individually. And I also love that they are putting them together. From the first episode, I thought maybe something had already happened between them that they just weren't talking about. But this one made me rethink that. Whatever it is, they are definitely both into it. This episode also brought up a few things that could be a hiccup for them. Violet is still very affected by Hawkins' death. Not only his death, but how he died. And I could see her being afraid to get into a relationship with a guy whose life is constantly on the line, even if she has started to develop feelings. Her questioning how she's supposed to move on could be a great continuation from her arc last season. For Carver, I thought him bringing up the Emma thing was interesting. Last season, it was obvious there was something he felt for Stella, which just turned into him respecting her and then being friends. But given his past, I wonder if this will make him or Violet question if he can trust someone without them saving him first, or if he equates trust with someone willing to save him i don't know if they will go down that road but given the trauma that he went through as a child it could be something interesting for them to explore and could cause a problem in any potential relationship one from helen (laughs) all caps helen says gina do you see it yet because boy do i see it no (laughs) i love that she's just calling you out tonight first with hannah and archer now with violin carver oh helen's ruthless like she will not hesitate to call me out on anything it's it's i appreciate it uh yeah yeah but she said the looks were good the pining is going to be next level but my poor violet is in her feels i don't think it's conscious quite yet but there's something happening for her and she doesn't want it 
My guess is that she feels guilty of feeling some, something for someone who's not Hawkins. It probably feels like moving on is betraying his memory. Not to mention Carver's a firefighter who runs into burning buildings on a daily basis. When you've already lost someone you love on the job, that kind of risk would be hard to take. Girl's going to be in denial for a while. And I didn't even think about it like that. I just thought she was like being stubborn. No, I, I think there's going to be a lot of feelings. When she starts realizing like, oh, maybe I kind of like him. Like, I like him, like him. I think there's going to be a lot of feelings related to Hawkins. And not just because, you know, she's never going to move on from him, but just, like, what happened to him and how that's you know, affects her. And the fact that she's going to probably end up dating someone who's still in that world. And, like, the same thing could happen to him. Yeah. But yeah. that's what happens when they all date in their world. Well, they're married to their jobs. Like, they're the only people each other ever well, sees. most of them. I won't say they all do. Because, like, you do have some who are married to people outside the house. But still. No, but I mean, like, they're all, you know, their job is just such a big part of their life. Yeah. They're, they're the only people they ever see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So. Yeah. And TBD on. Yeah. What is it? I feel like there's a lot of debate. What's the ship name? I know you're not shipping it yet. But what, it, like, what would you make the ship name? Kara tweeted last night with a bunch of options. I did not like Carp Kami. I do not like that. Um, I I shouldn't even have an opinion on this because I, I don't like it. I no, shouldn't even... I, I know, but like, whether you ship it or not, it is still, you know, I don't Her know. Violet. I was curious what you thought. I don't like really any of them that much. No, I don't like any of them either. It's just like a Carver... Violet, like, Mikami, like, I don't know. They don't flow as well together, but. McCarver. TBD. TBD on the ship name. That one flows. M-I-K-A-R-V-E-R. M-I-K-A-R. McCarver. That's perfect. McCarver. That's, well, I like that one. McCarver's good. McCarver. Okay, but, like, you guys decide and then just let me know what it is. (laughs) Because. I don't have a dog in this fight. I my <laughs> my opinion should I, my opinion should not matter here. Okay, last up for fires like twenty million storylines. <laughs> we've got Stella, Kylie, Gibson. I feel like we've been covering fire for like three hours now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not complaining. So much happened though. Yeah, so much. So this isn't like a ton though. So basically, again, we kind of talked about this last week, but Stella's basic. She's looking for her replacement for Chuck. Because Gallo's gone. Ritter's, like, gone, going back to engine in a couple shifts. So, and Carver's, like, keeps mentioning, he's like, you know, I keep giving Stella choices, but, like, you know, she's being super picky and, like, you know, I don't know, you know. She hasn't picked someone yet. So, all of 51 gets called out to this, again, structure fire, bike shop, whatever it is. Don't really know. Not important. Um, But Kylie and her company are already on the scene. And so this one guy, Gibson, they, it is Derek Gibson now, right? They've changed it officially. You notice how they never said his first name in this episode? Yeah, probably because they, they don't know what know. it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, supposedly Derek Gibson at one point was Jake Gibson. I'm just going to call him Gibson for right now until we figure out what the first name actually is. Um, He comes out and, you know, take, bring someone out with him. And then all of a sudden there's an explosion. Kylie calls in Mayday over the radio, and it's like, oh, fuck. This I have is... a little PTSD about that. Um, And so Stella's like, you know what, Gibson, you're coming with me. Like, take me where Kylie might be. 
he, you know, super impresses Stella on the call and they get to Kylie. She's alive, safe. Thank I was, God. For, I know. For two seconds, I was like, they're not going to kill her off, right? Like, this is not what's happening. Yeah, there was, was, a, there, was a, there was a little brief, tiny period there where Twitter was like, do we need to worry about Kylie right now? Yeah. I was glad that didn't happen, though. Right, right. Don't touch her. Um, so, you know, they all get out. Everything's fine. Kylie's a little smoke inhalation. All things considered, we're all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Stella's super impressed with Gibson. And, you know, they're chatting afterwards. And he's like, she's like, you know, you take care of my girl. And he's like, I don't know. She seems pretty tough. And Stella's just like looking over like a proud mama. She's like, yeah, yeah, she is. But I'm also like, why am I already shipping him and Kylie? Why I am I doing that? Too. I felt it too. Especially when he's like, I don't know. She seems pretty tough. Like, why? Why am I yeah. shipping this? I was, I, yeah. Like, I'm literally getting chills. Just like, like why? Yeah. I, I, I felt it. I, I was like, they would be super, super cute together. I'm already just like so in on it. Just give it to but- me. Also, he just got here. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. I we know, can't, but like, like we got to get to know these people a little bit first. I know, but also like he's so hot. No, he's totally hot. Oh my like, god, I, that's he's a so good hot. looking man. He's so good. He's so good looking. I can't. I just had to say it. It's insane. I feel like it's just like every week. I'm just gonna be like, yeah. No, I'm 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 with you. Trust me, I'm with you. Um. So the last scene is Kylie's at Molly's because you know now she's 21. She can drink. <laughs> alcohol which like everyone was like why am i still thinking of her as like 16 but actually that no. was a while ago that was a while ago now um so she's at molly's later and she and stella are talking they're taking shots too which is like also just like kind of fun and she mentions that you know stella of course is like oh yeah that gibson guy and she's like yeah like he's really great but he's just a floater so that was like his last shift with us which of course now like stella's got ideas and so he's not at 51 yet, but like we all know next week it's happening. He will so. be. Yeah. Also, Stella being in mom mode and being like, I need another shot after hearing that Mayday. <laughs> yeah. It's like big older sister mom vibes. Like I just. I I died a little bit when like when Stella found them and Kylie called her lieutenant. I was like, mm, our baby's so grown up. I know. And just seeing her in the gear that says candidate, like every time I've done it, which has only been twice now, but I'm just like, oh my God. I know. She actually did it. Like, yeah. There's got to come a time where she comes to 51. Yeah, I know. I God, I hope so. Has to. I don't need, I don't, it's like the double-edged sword of like, I don't want more people to leave. But, like, I need her to come over to 51. Yeah. Yeah. To, like, somehow make it happen. Yes. All of that. (sighs) But, anyway, that's fire. We've got the new guy coming over next week. He's hot. That's all we got. (laughs) He really is insanely good looking. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Any other notes on fire? no good episode i like this episode though yeah same same I, i'm i'm really liking so far we're off fire and met are off to like good good starts yeah for sure pd was also good but like different feelings oh yeah yeah i mean yeah for sure okay oh let's stretch it because we just spent like three hours talking about fire and now we gotta dive into pd yeah okay so <laughs> 
It's funny because if you tell me that there's a Haley angst episode coming, I'm like, please don't do this to me. But then you tell me there's an Adam angst episode and I'm like, fuck yeah, give it to me. Let's do it. I think the difference, though, is that Adam angst episodes don't always equal trauma happening to Adam. Whereas Haley angst episodes usually means that something traumatic is happening to her. Right. Right. So we don't want to see Haley get tortured, but Adam doesn't get tortured in this. So we're like, okay with it. Yeah, this is the first like real dark angsty episode that I've looked forward to in a long time. I really like this episode. I, I did too. I did too. Although it took me... PD cases at 10 p.m. never make sense to me. They're like, cool. I watch it at 10 o'clock and I'm like, what is happening? Like, I understand what's happening with Adam, but I'm like, case-wise, no idea. I watch it, like, when I'm actually, you know, more awake and I'm like, oh, yeah, that made sense. That was pretty good. <laughs> you guys out there, just keep in mind, if you're if you're up and following the live tweets at that hour, please just remember that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like, yeah 10 o'clock happens and i'm like yeah yeah i'm like i, I have don't no kn- idea they're chasing somebody now i don't know why like like it literally i was like who are they chasing i was like there's a ci in a poker game that's all i got <laughs> i was like that's literally all i got out of it last night now they're in somebody's house i really don't know why i was like, so confused like yeah and then i watched it today and i was like that's pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty good Oh, man, it is. PD can be brutal, especially if Med and Fire have been brutal. PD is just like. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. OK, so this one was called retread. This is an actual thing that Chicago cops have to go through. Gwen said this in an interview. That if you're, you know, if you're suspended or relieved of duty or you get shot or something like that, you have to go through retread. And it's basically like going back through the basics of the CPD, like all over again. Yeah. You have to pass. You could even see some of his questions on his test. It was like, what kind of force do police officers have, like the ability to, you know, like all kinds of random stuff. It was like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, he's like, he's got to take written tests, he's got to take physical tests, and this has been his roadblock to getting back to the job. He hasn't been able to pass. Yeah. Which, like, seeing him taking the test kind of gave me some anxiety. I like read one of the questions and I was like, oh fuck, I don't know. And then I was like, you're watching PD, calm down. Like you don't have to be the one to take the test. You're not taking the test. You're just watching PD. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to take his last test. And this guy who's, you know, running the room, he calls him. He's like, you know, Russ Eck. He's like, so where were you assigned before, you know, you had your little misstep air quotes, which like, bruh, not a misstep. He got shot. Yeah. That's why I, I, that, it made me think I was like, so wait a second. If this happens if you get suspended, too. This is just you all get like grouped into one big pool. I guess so. He didn't have a misstep. He got shot on the job. I wonder, do you know, though, like, is it about the amount of time you're out from the job? Or is it more about like what you did to get that made you take a break from the job? That you no idea. Let's Google. Because, like, it would make sense to me that, like, they all get looped in together if it's, like, six months or more you're off the job. Then at that point, they're like, okay, well, it's been six months. We need you to, like, refresh yourself. But, like, otherwise, it makes no sense that they, like you just said, all get looped in together. (laughs) And everything that's coming up is Chicago PD season 11. No, that's not what we want to talk about today. We want the real actual. Yeah. Chicago Police Department retread report, retread list. So you, 
No, this is this, and it takes me to the Chicago PD wiki. Come on. Retread application. Right back to the wiki. You guys. Yeah, I know. Not helping. Gina has questions. Department retread search. Um, but retread is what it's called. Man. Okay, we're gonna have to do a deeper search for that. But no, I'm or if curious. anyone knows the answer, let us know. Luch knows the answer. Yeah, he does know the answer. And he usually replies. If we comment on his Insta, he usually will reply. Maybe worth it when we're done recording. Hell yeah. All like the 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 nerdy cop questions, like I always am like, I need to know the answer to this or this is gonna bug me. Yeah. Okay. Just note, ask Luch. Uh yeah. So we cut to scenes of domesticated Adam. I don't know why, but seeing this man in the grocery store is like the cutest thing in the world. I don't know why. You think that kind of looks like a fancy grocery store. Do you think they shop at Whole Foods? No. I don't think Kim is that kind of mom. She's not like a crunchy mom. It just mom. looked a little fancy. Not gonna lie. It was a grocery store. Yeah, but there's a difference, Gina. There's a difference in it grocery stores. It didn't look like a bougie grocery store, though. kind of looked like a bougie grocery store. It but like maybe my... that's just the way the set decorators made it to be. No, it looks... I mean, I, I don't know what your grocery shops look like. I don't know what they look like in Virginia, but, like, that looked like a normal, like, Kroger or Albertsons to me. No, it just reminded me of, like, what Whole Foods in, like, D.C. looked like, and that's what I think I'm comparing it to. Like, that's just what it looked like to me. So that is definitely not what, like, grocery stores look like here. Oh, I did not get that vibe. That's funny. That's funny. Anyway. But, yeah, he's 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 being domestic. He's being datum. He is being datum. He's a stay-at-home datum. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he's in the grocery store and he hears cop cars flying by. And then he's at dinner with Kim and Mac. Oh, my goodness. Just so cute. I kind so, of wish we'd gotten to, like, see the kid. Like, we like we heard her little voice. But, yeah. like, we really didn't get to, like, see her, even for, like, one second. It was, mm -hmm. like, kind of, like, a letdown. How cute are they, though? They have their little nightly dinners at the table together. They're such a little family. Oh, it's so sweet. I love it so much. And then we cut to Kim and Adam in bed. So, really, we're, like, five minutes in, and the Berzik fans are winning. Yeah. And Hard. they're, like, they're not only in bed. They are, like, cuddled up. Like, she's got to hit the, her hand, like, snaked around his arm. Like, it's, like, they are, like. It's great. Lauren said she laughed at the fact that Adam is always the little spoon. Because <laughs> she said it's not the first time that's happened. That's funny. So he's in bed with Cam and he gets up and he is basically headed to go play poker with the guys. It's kind of random though. I will say the one thing it was like, okay, I'm trying to go to bed. Like I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. And he's like, okay, never mind. I'm going to play poker now. Okay, bye. That might be his activity when he can't sleep. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we learned that, like, poker's kind of become the one thing he can, you know, kind of still be a cop. And, you know, we get it. But it's like, okay, you can't sleep. Let's go play poker. The weirdest part of this to me is that he's got a safe full of a, the giant wads of cash in the living room, kind of like Voight. I wonder, though, if that's because he's, like, done stuff that's undercover and he, like, has to be able to keep it in case he has to go, you know, do something kind of hastily. He doesn't have time to go to the district to, like grab stuff but, but then, he's, then he's got to he can't use it for poker well i guess in this case he could then because he said he was trying to pass it off like he was under yeah huh 
Okay. Like he has an undercover phone, an undercover gun, an undercover, like, you know, I wonder, and he's got obviously like stash it somewhere. I doubt he keeps it in his desk in the bullpen. That would just not make much sense. No. So it makes more sense to keep it in a safe in your house. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is his insomnia activity pretty much. So he gets up and grabs the cash and Kim's just like, so you're going to play poker with the boys? And he's like, yeah, it's just, you know, at the at the cop bar where all the cops hang out. It's a bunch of old timers. just Which is not Molly's, but. No. Whatever. Nope. But he's not at the cop bar. Which Kim should have been tipped off by by him grabbing the wads of cash. Yeah. Just saying. He is undercover at this sketch bar where he's not supposed to be. And a CI invited him. I'm like, I feel like hanging out with your CI is always a bad idea. Shit's always gonna go down. Always. Like, it's just, I, I can't imagine any scenario where that would be a good idea. The only scenario I can think of is, obviously, Jay was already friends with Mouse before that happened. But, like, he heard, you know, Mouse was his CI before he came over to PD work at the district, so. True. But they were already friends before he was even a CI, so, like, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. So, but otherwise, it always goes bad. Always. Just general rule. We'll just add this to the list of rules of one Chicago things. Like, don't put your feet on the ash and don't hang out with your CI. Mm-hmm. Nope. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because in the middle of the game, two masked men come in and just start shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They take all the cash. They kill two people. And Adam goes after him, but then he, like, he calls Voight. And... So Voight's like, well, where are you? And Voight tells him, or Adam tells him, and Voight's just like, bro, like, everybody in CPD knows about that place. Like, you've got to get the fuck out of there. Like, you have to leave. Or you're, like, the only thing you're doing right now yeah. is ending your career. And so intelligence, all three of them, rolls <laughs> up on scene. Yeah. And Kim is like, why are we taking this case? Shouldn't this be, like, robbery homicide? And Voight just doesn't say anything yeah so kim and voight interview this guy zacco and this is adam ci which by the way did you catch that zacco calls adam aj yeah that was his like undercover name alias do we want to start playing the game of what the j stands for i honestly didn't even think about that adam james adam adam have a last name or middle name that we know of no Joseph? Adam Jason. <laughs> Joseph. Adam Joseph Ruzik. That flows. Adam Joshua uh, Ruzik. That doesn't flow. Adam Jonathan is not flow. I like Adam James. Adam James is a good one. Adam James Ruzik. Maybe. I don't know. What do you guys think the J stands for? Just Let humor- us know. Humor us, yes, just for fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kim and Voight interview Zacho, and he's not a lot of help. And then his sister comes to try and bail him out. And the sister's just not about this. She's like this idiot. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So back in the bullpen, everybody goes over what they know. And they think it's an inside job. So they start digging in to who might know something. And then they get interrupted by a guy from IAD. Who we've never met before. Nope. Nope. And that's the dead giveaway at that moment. Like, we're at a point now with PD where 
everybody has spent, they've already had so many turns keeping secrets from each other that they know how the game is played. Like you can't do it anymore because everybody's so good at keeping secrets and everybody has a tell. Yeah, for sure. Like no more of that in season 11, please. What like, I feel like even from the beginning, Kim, I mean, Kim has been suspicious because like she knows Adam went to a poker game just coincidentally before this happened. Mm-hmm. Like she already, her mind is already starting to like go. Then all of a sudden, IAD shows up. Like, it's just like, she, her her mind specifically is already, you know, spinning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's already put it together. Yeah. So, Kim walks out of the district, runs into Voight, and she just says it. She's like, look, not my place, but IAD, if there's something I should know, you can let me know. Which is, like, the perfect way to tell, like, to tell Voight, like, I know. Yeah. It's pretty perfect. And Boyd is super forward with her. Thankfully, like, thank goodness. He just says he's like, I'm the about to one time out. this man actually did something the way he was supposed to. So many prior seasons could have avoided so much drama if Voight had been as straightforward as he is right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So we cut to Kim coming home to Adam. And I mean, right off the bat, she's like, I know. Pretty much. And so she tells him that, you know, Zaka was the CI and he covered for Adam. No problem. Not a big deal. But IAD did find Adam's slugs in the poker room, which that's so interesting that like they can trace the bullet back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, they know it was his undercover gun, not even his regular like duty gun. That's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Science. It's crazy. Uh, so yeah, because he he had fired his weapon, and so IAD knows. And so Kim just explained was like, "Look, Void's going to backdate a stolen weapons report. You need to get rid of your UC gun." And then we have this conversation. I do not like this. I cannot have everybody protecting me. You can because that is what you need. You've got the team. They will find the offenders fast, and we will keep you out of it. So this is. This is your weekly poker game. It's not with the old-timers at the cop bar. Sometimes. Zako invited me. I was covert. I was, you know, I was listening for information. I just miss it, Kim. Chasing offenders into yards with crazy dogs and split-second decisions and the, you know, adrenaline, feeling alive. The poker game, it just gave me that first second. These are the things we tell each other now, right? When you're in it, you tell me. And I know that it's hard because you nearly died, but I get that. I get it too, because I've been through it. But you have to tell me so I can help you. I just love where Berzik's at in their relationship right now. Oh my goodness. This is the most adult conversation I have ever heard these two have. But actually, though, like, not only is Adam being vulnerable with Kim about, like, you know, how he's actually feeling that he misses the job and, you know, whatever. And, like, the poker game gave him that. And she's like, you know what? Well, this is what we tell each other now. Like, you tell me this. Like, I've got you. Like, I'm here for you. But, like, it's just, I love it so much. I was kind of surprised that Kim wasn't mad about him lying. Mad at him? I was surprised. I was. But I. Go ahead. Well, I, I wasn't surprised as in like, oh, here we go. Kim's going to get mad. I was surprised because, I mean, I'd be kind of irked if I got lied to. 
I feel like I'd be kind of hurt, but I feel like she also knows that he's going through a lot. Yeah. And that, like, he's not back on the job. She already kind of knew how he was feeling without him even telling her that that's how he's specifically feeling. Yeah. I think she knew that. I think if this is, like, nine months from now on a random Wednesday and, like, this happens, then, like, yeah, she'd probably be a little more hurt than this situation. But I feel like given the situation... And the fact that she knows how at she he doesn't have to say it for her to know that like I feel that like she's probably giving him more of a pass than she would on you know otherwise a random day. It also helps that Kim has been through this before. Yes, that yes. she knows exactly what it feels like to get shot on the job, and then and that's like, what she says, and like yeah. which is crazy to think that they've both been like like when you think about it that like these two people who are both in a relationship like both know what it's like to get shot and like almost die. Mm-hmm. It's crazy not the thing you want to be bonding over but not really still. but when you're cops it comes with the territory yeah i suppose yeah 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 just the empathy from kim oh my goodness i'm telling you her therapist works magic mm-hmm. yep she's the fix-all next <laughs> time something goes wrong anything right to kim's therapist yeah oh man so Voight goes into a surveillance van where Haley and Kim are going over what they know. And we basically get introduced to the Bala brothers. It's Trey and Clay. They mm-hmm. like to rob banks. And they figured this guy Arbin told them about the poker game since they all grew up together. They're basically a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the brothers calls our, or we find out one of the brothers called Arbin 10 minutes before the rip. They go into the Bala house, but the place is empty. So. So Adam being restless and, and going, you know, kind of stir crazy, he goes over to Zacco's because he can't sit still. And he just figures, he's like, well, if the team can't find out where the Bala brothers are, I'm just going to do it. Yep. So he gets an address and they go to the address of one of the brother's girlfriends. And so Adam goes over there. And so Adam calls Voight's, giving him the play-by-play. The minute this car pulls up, when, like the minute he goes through the door, I'm like, well, gunshots at any second, like five, four, three, two. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Knew it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And so, yeah, the gunshots go off. Adam ignores Voight. He goes inside and the one Bala brother's dead. The other one has been shot and it's not looking good. So, you know, he puts like a towel on the wound. He's trying to talk to the guy and everything. And intelligence pulls up. And Haley sees a Jeep pull away. So she's obviously suspicious as fuck. Again, we've all done such a good job of keeping secrets from each other that we can't do it anymore. Yep. We can't. Yep. Haley's good at this. Yep. She's real good at this. Like that, that's the moment where she's like, Adam was here. Mm-hmm. And it's not a big deal. No. It's not a big deal. She's just like, okay, Adam was here. Let's help him. Yeah. Which like. I get Voight's whole premise of, like, you know, not telling people to protect them. But I feel like we're way past that at this point. I know. It's season 11. Like, come on now. We're way past that. Yeah. Yeah. So Voight meets up with Adam, and we get this. Adam, look, we bring you into this. Adam will put you at the poker game. But what is this? We go crazy at home eating a poker game for a buzz. I mean, I get that. But this... This I don't get. Whatever's going on in your head, because you guys no, shot. No, my head is fine, sorry. Yeah, it's clearly no, not. No, it is. I, I don't have PTSD. I'm not traumatized. This was the job. I need the job. 
can't keep sitting at home, what, becoming my father? This is what happened to him, boss. He took disability leave because he tripped on some pimp's fire escape. He got back on the job. He was never the same. You're not him. You're gonna be back in a couple of days. What if I'm not? You still won't be him. As Lauren always says, Pookie. I know. Okay, question for you. Because Adam keeps insisting that it's like you know he's worried about becoming his father and like that he misses the job and he just needs to do about the job because it's about his father and i do obviously believe that but do you th- how much of this do you think is actually still like ptsd like the way adam's reacting to all this oh this is a good question i actually don't think it is and i'm not saying that adam adam doesn't like i, I wouldn't say like adam can't feel that but adam's not wired that way adam's very just like he's very blunt right so he's gonna understand i was just doing the job and i got shot that's what happens you do the job you put yourself at risk sometimes you get shot and then you come back i think it really is just a matter of him going stir crazy and he has to feel useful somehow i don't think this i don't think this is part of any sort of ptsd or anything what do you think interesting i i don't think it's like all ptsd right like i don't think it's all PTSD. I'm not ruling it out yet until I see more of what he's like back on the like actual job. Like, because obviously I feel like once he's back into actually being a cop, I was about to say detective, but they're not detectives yet. Mm-hmm. Um, When he's back actually in that role, maybe it'll bring up different feelings. But right now, like you said, he's just going so crazy that and he misses the job that he's not letting him get to the ptsd part yet but i feel like he's gonna have some kind of response i feel like being back on the job because like i just don't know how you can't what is so interesting to me is that being a cop is so embedded in adam's dna yet he still has the deep-seated fear of becoming his dad yeah how do you reconcile those two well, I mean, but I think that's just human, right? Like, I think whether Adam's family was all cops or whether they were all doctors or whether they were all lawyers or, you know, whether they were all construction workers, I mean, whatever it is, you know, the family lineage can be in whatever field of work. But, like, if Adam's dad was still reacting the same way, Adam's still going to have those fears of becoming his dad. That's a patty question right there. Like, It's why not necessarily tied to the job. It's not necessarily tied to being a police officer. It's more of just like the fear of now that Adam is a dad. And say it again. Say it again. A, say that Adam again. Is, Adam is a dad. <laughs> and he didn't have the greatest role model. Obviously, he, he saw what happened to Disco Bob. And he doesn't want to become his dad. And I think so. I think more it's more about like he doesn't want to become his dad than it's tied to like the policing of it. There's yeah, there's multiple facets in which he could be his dad, right? It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting to me that it, it comes back to him being afraid of turning into his dad because like he was he says he was he was never the same kind of cop. Yeah. There's yeah, Adam says a couple things in this episode that are pretty like kind of want to explore them more. Yeah, but like I said, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily tied to the job, I personally think. Cause like he when he even says to Boyd, he's like, 
you know, that he's afraid about becoming his father. He's like, this is what happened to him. He took disability leave because he tripped down some, like, he tripped on, like, so basically he tripped on the job and got hurt and then, you know, was never the same. But, like, that could have happened in literally any other field of work. Yeah. I, it's what Disco Bob did after that, you know. Which is how he found his way into gambling and got into right. trouble with money and but everything. If that, I mean, that literally could have happened at any job, pretty much. Right. Right. I Yeah, I I feel for Adam, you know. It, I do, too. It's, it's similar with Severide, how, like, the deep-seated fear of becoming his dad is always there. Mm-hmm. But it's good. I'm I'm glad Voight remind. I'm glad Void is there to remind him. Like no matter what, you're not going to be him. You're still not him. I think I said this last week, but it just like I think about it every time. Like I really hate the fact that like people have these like amazing life altering conversations with Void of all people. In this instance, I think it's good though because Void knew Disco Bob. No, I know. And I mean, at this point, like, Void's the only one who really knows he's born. Like, I get why it happened. It's just sometimes I'm like, yeah. they didn't have to avoid. Doesn't always bother me. I think sometimes hearing it that bluntly from somebody can be helpful. Yeah. But yeah. in this case, I think it helps because Void's not just blowing smoke up his ass. Void actually knew Disco Bob. So he can solidly attest to the fact that you're not Disco Bob. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in the bullpen, the evidence from the house points to there being a single shooter. Um, and they also have another witness corroborating the story about, you know, the Jeep. And like the description is Ruzik pretty much. Uh, Ruzik or Atwater like rattles it off and he's like bearded guy like 6'1 white guy just running and that's exactly when Haley's like so Adam right Adam also drives the jeep yeah yeah and so she just tells Voight she's like you don't have to protect us just loop us in and he just says I already handled it also Atwater is being so quiet in this whole thing like it's I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know if he's just kind of like especially I feel like goes or what. For this being a Ruzik episode. Right. Because normally obviously those two are kind of tied at the hip, but like I guess Kevin isn't supposed to know that Ruzik is going through this, which I don't know. It's it's just ridiculous at this stage in the game. We're still not telling everybody everything. We have all known it, we've all known each other for over a decade now. Like Yeah. Tell me so I can lie for you. Yeah. You're all trauma bonded. Like, But that also applies to the unit. The whole unit should know that so they can all lie for each other. Yeah. Yeah. We're past that point. Rhino, will you take it from here? Mm-hmm. So Kev ends up finding something on Zako basically, that, like, he's been pinched on coke possession three times. And every time, guess who posts to the bond? Arben. So... Burgess is a little hesitant about bringing Zako in because obviously she knows that Super 6CI, like, she, you know, she knows the whole history, but she ultimately agrees. She's like, you know what? He did this to himself. Like, we'll use him. So they track him down and they put him in the cage. Ah, the cage. Him of all people puts him in the cage. I know. I feel like this is the least violent use we've ever seen of the cage. Not that I want to justify the cage, but... Probably. I mean, she just put him in there. 
It was basically like a holding cell. But I mean, Zacho, Zacho basically knows how this goes, though. He's like, you put me down here because there are no cameras. Yeah. He's like, so this is what Ruzi. So they try, they put him in the cage and he's like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, he denies being tipped off about the rip, which I do believe. I don't think he knew about the rip happening. Mm-hmm. But he's like, so this is what Ruzi promises look like. And she's like, what promises? And he's like, you know, that I wasn't going to be dragged down to this. He'd protect me. He's like, that's why I'm in this cage right now, right? Because of him, because you're protecting him. And then, like you said, it's, you know, he knows. He knows. Um, But Zacho agrees. He's like, look, I'll help you if you can get my sister into this new public housing unit. Um, And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're police. Like, what can we do? And he's like, it's Chicago. Bribe someone. <laughs> I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I, that was very funny. That yeah. was very funny. Because, like, so... They get Zacho like wired up and he's gonna go, go meet Arben. And he thinks that well, the plan is that they're supposed to like meet at this diner, but of course Arben changes plans at the last second and he's like, get in the car. So intelligence start, starts following the car, but of course they lose eyes. And the signal from the camera that Zacho is wearing um cuts out. So Adam, though, Adam's at home working under the sink, like doing some kind of plumbing, something, whatever he's doing. Again, being just like Adam. Domestic um, Adam is the best. Yeah. Uh, he gets a call from Zacho. And like the only thing he hears while Zacho's on the phone is, why are we at the old place? And then it like hangs up. And so he calls Kim and Kim, he's like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, well, this is what we're doing. We lost Zacho. And yeah. Um, and he figures out though, like he's able to like pull it up on his computer at home, like his laptop. He he's able to get eyes on Zacho again, and like he ends up figuring out that like because Zacho uses the safe word, which is tickets, and so Adam figures out like where they're at. Like Adam basically kind of saves the day from home. Um, so Adam goes to where he pinned down Zacho and Arvin to be. And Adam gets there just as Arbin shoots Zacho in the stomach. Like, just as it happens. Yep. Um, so, but Adam stays with Zacho instead of going after Arbin. And Kim ends up coming across Arbin and chases him up on the roof of this, like, house. And she goes up one side as he's, like, already at the top. His gun slides down the other side and, like, he's trying to go get it. And he ends up kind of, like, hanging from the roof. And, like, she's trying to help him up. She's trying to, like, you know, pull him back to safety. But he ends up falling off the roof and going splat. Is she the new Spider-Man now that Gallo's gone? Apparently. I can't believe she's posting all the, like, behind the scenes of that. And she's like, that's, like, one of the hardest things I've ever done. I can't believe she, like, parkoured onto a rooftop. Like, damn, Kim. Yeah. Well, she was showing some of the behind the scenes, you know, because obviously they did it like on a set. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how like it was hard because like they usually don't shoot things like that in a studio. And so like the light, you know, she was talking about like the lights being and the camera being that close to her. And she was talking about just like how hard it was, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Like in all the things that she's done. Mm-hmm. And she talks about like that scene being like one of the hardest ones. Kind of crazy. Harder than the time she got stuck in the well? Don't know. Damn. 
No, it would be interesting to you to feel like what is the hardest thing she thinks she's ever done. That's a Marina question. There, we're just like piling up the interview questions. You know tonight. what? I've been trying to like last week when we came up with our questions. I went into the document and wrote them down. So we're piling these up, we're preparing ahead of time. Hell yeah, for when when these happen. Yeah. No, I was impressed. Like when she was on the roof, I was like, Kim, my goodness, like, damn girl. Yeah, that's impressive. So, like I said, Arvin's dead now, and they take Zacho to the hospital, and, like, it seems like he's going to be fine. The girl in the ambo is like, yeah, it's a through and through. Like, he got really lucky. Oh, my God, and he and Adam are laughing and just, like, I know, they're, yeah. yeah. And so Adam's in the waiting room with his sister, and Kim comes by and, like, holds his Adam's hand, and she's like, you know, everything's good. The case is clear. They took the, like, everything's good. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, being there for Adam. Again. Horzik. Top notch this season. Yeah. Um, And then, basically, the doctor comes out and was like, yeah, Sako didn't survive surgery. No. Oh, that broke my heart. That was, like, such a last-minute twist, too. Such a gut punch. You think you're safe. And he's like, just kidding. You're not safe. Uh. I'm not, I mean, obviously not a doctor, but, like, if it's a through and through, don't they just stitch you up? I I don't know. Man, I, I, that was a gut punch when he was like, he didn't make it. I was like, no, oh, no. Especially because Adam had promised he wasn't going to get him tied up in all this. Oh, and then the sister's like, you know, of course, heartbroken. And she's like, this is on you. And so, yeah. Oh. And, of course, it's, like, right at that moment, Adam gets a text message and he's passed his test. So, like, he's back on the job, which is great, and that's what he wanted. But, like, at the cost of a CI, who he really cared about. Yeah. Right. So. Like, you're back on the job, but this is what you're coming back to. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him. I also want to make sure we touch on this moment when when Kim calls Adam when they're driving to the where are they driving to arbin the they're driving to the old place and kim basically just tells adam she's like you know it's gonna be okay right like even if you don't pass this test it's going to be okay yeah and a i love that we're seeing this side of kim now like kim is all in on this relationship now which i love yes it's amazing but also adam says something that just is really sad he's like i'm no good without the job yeah and he just says he's like, you know, um, without the job, he's like, I'm probably going to find something to fill this hole with. It's probably going to be the wrong thing. Why does he have so little faith in himself? Because that's what he experienced. I mean, it's hard sometimes when you grow up in a certain environment to, like, shake that. Ugh. But that's what he experienced is Disco Bob. He doesn't know any better. It sucks. Yeah. I feel bad for him, especially when he's like, I'm no good without the job. Like, you're a whole person outside of the job. Like, mm-hmm. pookie. Yeah. Poor baby. Listener thoughts. Oh, boy. Okay. So, Devonay sent us a long one. Devonay said, can we all agree that domestic Adam is the most adorable thing ever? 
Although we can all tell that he missed the thrill of the job and just wanted to get back to his daily purpose. But also, Adam, like anyone else in that unit, doesn't know how to ride the bench, as Trudy says. Which, yes to more Trudy, please. Always yes to more Trudy. I also do love this new, more confident, more strong, and more purposeful version of Kim um, that we got a glimpse of in this episode. Marina was right. She's becoming more of a badass than she already was. Has Kim ever Has Kim ever put anyone in the cage for any reason? I really don't think she has. I don't think so. Yeah. Because she said, because last night talking to Zaka was freaking hot, defending her man and everything. Let's reignite the Adam Ruzik protection squad. Let's do it. Yes. Hell yeah. That shirt, right? Yes. Nice. And then she said, was I the only one that caught the shade Haley was throwing at Voight for taking leads from Adam, but not looping in the team to where they came from? No, we all caught that. Seemed a bit hypocritical as he covered up Roy's death for her. I know Voight was only trying to keep any insight from Adam quiet, so IAD wouldn't have reason to come sniffing around. Don't hate me, but I hated what it could imply, and Haley doesn't need any more reason to be somewhat isolated from the team. True. Yeah. Um, I literally put in the outline just, like, all of Aaron's email, because Aaronson was, like, such a long one, because obviously she's a diehard Berzik fan, and she's like, the whole episode was a Berzik dream. She's talking about, like, you know, Berzik family dinner. They cuddle in bed and hold hands. And she's like, I also love that there was so much more room on her side. He's almost like hanging off the bed. You know, typical couple things. She's like, we're in the era of casual goodbye kisses and I am dead. <laughs> and then she was talking about how, and it's a long email, but she was talking about how, you know, Adam being worried that he's going to end up like his father. He's already done so many things that are the complete opposite of his father. She's like, I don't ever see that happening. And she's like, the hand-holding. I love the hand-holding. It's a, now it's a natural thing if you, you know, they do as a couple. And she also said, by the way, if you look closely next to their couch, their old engagement photo is there, just like it was in Kim's apartment. Which I, I gotta, did not notice. I gotta look back at that. Someone else pointed that, I, Lauren literally just texted that in the group chat, but like, yeah. So, but yeah, literally just like all of Aaron's email. Yeah. I was I was very happy for our Berzik friends. Oh, big time! They they had. They I mean, had I time. love Berzik, but like the people, like because that was a good episode. Oh, it was, was solid. A good season eleven. Berziks are going to be fed. I love seeing Berzik so comfortable in this family element. They are yeah. so comfortable, and they are thriving in it too. Yeah, for sure. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Any other notes on PD? No. Good episode. Good batch of episodes. For sure. For sure. These seasons, man, we waited for them a long time, but so far, coming out the gate strong. So far, so good. For sure. Yep, yep. So, that's about all we've got for today. Um, As always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok, email, meet us at Molly's, everywhere. Um, email is meetusatmollies at gmail.com. You guys don't have to email us about one Chicago stuff. We we love to talk about all sorts of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, send us anything, please. Inbox is a safe space. If there's anything that you do not want us to read on the pod, just tell us, and that is perfectly fine. Yep. Uh, yeah, check the link in our socials to our Patreon page if you'd like to check that out. Um, our T Public store. I guess I'll bump up the Adam Rusin, the uh, the Ruzik Protection Squad shirt. I know. I still got to this weekend. I'm going to try to update the Squad Goals shirts because they're out of date. <laughs> we should just really make new ones that are like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> like, they're really out of date. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, 
Yeah. Um, and as long as there are new episodes of the shows, there will be new episodes of the pod. So yep. in the meantime, follow us individually on Twitter. Almost forgot that. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brenna K13. Everybody have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.